just make sure that we can complete the stint we need, okay mate? I'm not here to finish for I thought you boxed me, sorry. <laughs> you serious? Welcome to episode 63 of the Motorsport 101 podcast. I'm your friendly neighbourhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison. And with me, as always, is Mr. Adam Johnson. Hello, sir. Hello. Uh, how are things? How are things do- How was the North? <laughs> the North. <laughs> the North. You know what? I heard you, went, I, I heard you went north of Watford. I know that's a dark and barren place where only Bex lives. <laughs> and maybe. <laughs> oh, no. Well, there's Lewis Sudderby. He tells me of stories of barbed wire and mines up in Hall. This disclaimer. I heard, you, I heard you went to the barren wasteland of York. What was it like, Fallout 4? I'm going to fucking kill you, Johnson. <laughs> Normal service has been resumed, folks. <laughs> Oh god, yeah. Um, for what it's worth, um, for those that don't know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm born and raised in West London. I've, I've never left West London. Oh hi, Kendra. Um, you caught us, in, you caught us in the middle of the show, but uh, thanks for coming in anyway. I appreciate that. Have you saved him some cookies? No, I haven't. She took all the mint. She took all the mint flavored Oreos. I'm really upset about that now. <laughs> Yeah, maybe later. But um, as I was saying, um, yeah, I, I went on a holiday up to up to York, um, to which was funny because everybody else in the Slack chat thought I was on a booty call, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> you bastards! I hate all of you. <laughs> well, I knew the real reason you were going up there. You wanted to see the trains. <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, I'm just going to bite my tongue right now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a good boy. We're only about a minute in. Yeah, just... just uh. But, um, yeah, I went to York. What I've learned is it's really cold, it's really cheap, and sleeping on floors is not ideal, um, to say the least. It, it wasn't the most pleasurable trip in the world, but... Um, Everybody thought I was actually getting some, which I should take as a compliment, really, I suppose, in the grand scheme of things. It's like, hey, Drake can get it. Go me. Well, is that, I, I'm amazed. I just have this visual in my head of you just like in a bar with your Coke and just being yeah. like, hey, <laughs> hey, baby, I'm Andre Harrison. You may have heard me on the Most One on One podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> How much would you pay me to try that on a night out? Given I'm the one that drinks in the UK out of the two of us, mm. how much do you? Th- how much would you give me to try that out? I will pay you literally some pounds for this dance. <laughs> some, <laughs> some pounds, some money, so, some money. Should we introduce King? He's just sat over there, like, when you're ready. Yes, yes. Um, the other guy that you know joked about me on a booty call was Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Yes, yes. Why haven't I destroyed you yet? <laughs> because you're professional. Bullshit! <laughs> you're professional. Well, he's finally admitting he isn't. <laughs> that is the biggest lie we've had in 63 episodes of this podcast. <laughs> How could you, King? <laughs> <It's> These <this> ac- <clears throat> accusations of professionalism. How dare you? <laughs> but how have you been otherwise, King? Pretty good, pretty good. 
kind of sweating because the Chicago Cubs are in the World Series. I think I should let it be known to everyone mm. listening that I'm not a fan. Well, I do love the players on the Chicago Cubs. The franchise wow. as a whole, I do not like the Chicago Cubs. I was going to say, you're not going to be sat in the grandstands next to CM Punk then. No, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> what? You know what? You not liking the Cubs, King, is just a bit like kicking somebody's sainted child. It's like, like, like that's just mean. Like the nah, Cubs they, have been, they're, they're gonna become the new Red Sox. They're, where they, they're like, they're gonna have like a di- completely different identity when they finally win one again. Where it's like, well, then again, go on. their identity uh, before say. them winning was the fact that they always lost. You know, you know what it reminds. So they're gonna yeah, go on, Johnson. Go on. Yeah, you first. You first. I was going to say, uh, you saying, oh, King not liking the Cubs is a bit like, oh, how could he not? That's a bit like someone not liking Leicester City last year. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Did you- did it, I, I, Trey, do we know anyone who didn't like them? Me. <laughs> Or is this more like? Yeah, but, I, I mean, I know it, it, I know barely nothing about American sport outside of NASCAR and IndyCar, as was evidenced by the NFL match at Twickenham on Sunday. Was the third NFL game I've ever watched. Um, but is the Cubs? Would the Cubs winning this year be a bit like the first time Manchester City won a major trophy? No, it'd be way way bigger than that because I, I, the Cubs have not won a World Series since 1908. That's a long time. Yeah. yeah. They have not played in a World Series since 1945. That's it. also a long time. Yes. Ex- expansion teams have come into an e- existence and have won the World Series on multiple occasions already. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, so like, good. Uh, the Miami Marlins like became a team in 1993 and they have already won two World Series. That That's, yeah. That's kind of ridiculous. We've had two world wars <laughs> yes. since they last won the Super Bowl. Yeah. As you do. As you do. Yeah, that is a thing. Yeah, American sports and all that. Everybody, sorry sorry to distract everybody else from the rest of the podcast and all that. But, uh, hey, I'm writing about the NBA for William Hill now, so who gives a shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're, all, we're all hipstering it up this week. But, no, it's not like Leicester City. It's far, far worse and, and almost as annoying as, as Leicester City's continued existence on this earth. So, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so it's like, oh, oh, now you guys all like Leicester. Okay, I can't wait for you guys to all turn on them next season. Oh, wait, that's actually happening now. <laughs> that's exactly what's happened, yeah. <laughs> I told you. I told all of you. But, but you know, that's a thing. But, um... Since we're already kind of just flowing it out there, before we really get into keeping it 101, let's give you a quick reminder of where you can find us if you haven't already turned off. Uh, we are on youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101. Plenty of stuff on there, as always. I have now taken over full command of video making because King is a guess. <laughs> because if you want some, if you want a job doing, do it yourself, basically. <laughs> Essentially. Um, yeah, yeah, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And us personally on Twitter, Harrison101HD, Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks, and AJ underscore Bombersports. And if you really, really like us, 
You can also back us on Patreon for some cool perks and a bunch of other stuff. Shout out to all our Patreon backers, including Shorty F1, Evan Manley, Miles Pardo, Tom Stanley, Jack Webb, Rhino GT4, Josh Sutil is actually up to $5, so shout out to him. So thanks a lot to him on that one. Um, real good friend of the show on that one. Jake Callahan, Tyler Small, Parker Zaglin, and Scott Woodwiss. Thanks to all you guys for backing us week in, week out. We, we do we do appreciate you around here, even though we don't say it enough, apart from every episode. <laughs> but uh, without further ado, let's get into keeping it one-on-one. Okay, so for keeping it 101 this week, King, what have you got? Okay, so finally, after what seems like months and months of posting race-by-race articles, Motorsport Magazine has finally completed their Top 100 Grand Prix of all time. Now, that is interesting. Now, Motorsport Magazine are a little bit old school a lot of the time when it comes to F1, but they've got a lot of... Really, really great writers writing for him over there. A lot of great content creators out there. They've had Toby Moody on there. I'm a huge fan of his work on there. Uh, Matt Oxley's one is of my... Matt... Yeah, I was going to say Matt Oxley. Matt Oxley is superb with MotoGP and bikes in general. He's, yeah. he's amazing in that department. But I'm guessing it was some kind of group consensus where they got around a table and eventually thrashed out a list of the 100 best races ever. That that that, that must have taken, like, forever to finally for that yeah. to finish. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know, it's uh... like... To, to read it, like, they released it online bit by bit, but it was a special one-off magazine, kind of like, oh, God, this is going to be another, like, weird comparison to make between Motorsport Magazine was probably one of the most prestigious magazines in motorsport and what culture the YouTube channel, how they release their 100 greatest wrestlers of all time. They did a special one-off issue of Motorsport Magazine chronicling the 100 greatest Grand Prix of all time, and it was kind of... Uh, it was kind of a mixed bag. They they wanted to get in the most exciting races of all time, but they also wanted to get in brilliant, dominant performances that might not have been, you know, the greatest races to watch. That's a very right. that's a very up and down, wishy washy kind of criteria. It's like writing Doctor Who at this point. It's like what's what's like what's the requirement here? Okay, so like. Here's here's their definition. Defining greatness was the first task. There were the obvious races, the wheel-to-wheel duels, the classic comebacks, but there were also individual performances of supreme dominance. Races that might not have necessarily been the most exciting to witness. Greatness goes way beyond a thrill a minute. We decided this. Choosing which races should make the list was hard enough. Ranking them... Ranking the top 100 in some sort of order was even tougher. When it came to the crunch, which should be number one, we never we never did agree unanimously of which race was the greatest, but the magnus but a decision had to be made to finish the magazine, so they, you know, agreed on which one was the greatest. That that must have taken a lot of beers and probably at least three punch-ups to finally get around <laughs> yes. to finishing that. Like, holy shit. Um, because there's, like, if, if there's one thing I've learned from doing this podcast is that we are a bunch of stubborn mules at the best of times. We argued over freaking Snapchat two episodes ago, for Christ's sake. So, <laughs> so let alone deciding what is the greatest Formula One race of all time. Yes, it's coming the, to we, uh, it's coming to that actually means something. 
It's Canada 2011. I don't know why we're even having this dis- having this discussion. But what did what did Motorsport Magazine King wrongly find to be number one? <laughs> uh, I, I think let's make this interesting. Let's go ten up. Let's go ten okay. up. Okay, okay, let's, okay, let, okay. Let's, let's let's go full. Let's go full watch mojo. Let's go ten to one. Okay, <laughs> number ten. The opening round of the 1958 season, the Argentine Grand Prix, where. In a stunning turn of events, the pole winner and, you know, hometown boy Juan Manuel Fangio didn't even finish on the podium. And the race winner that season in his underpowered Cooper Climax was Sterling Moss. Oh, bless him. Sterling Moss. (laughs) Everybody's favorite runner up. Yes, Um, that was the 1950s Nico Rosberg. (laughs) The 1950s Nico Rosberg. Okay. Uh, I just like the fact that this list, like, oh, starting at number 10 is the 1958 Argentine Grand Prix. 1958 Argentine Grand Prix. Or as King would say, last week. (laughs) Last week. (laughs) Okay. He's not not that old, is he? Number nine (laughs) is a race that we all know. The 1976 season finale, the Japanese Grand Prix. Oh, it's Dre's favorite race. <laughs> Don't do not get me started on James Hunt and how Four, and four was brilliant in that race. Oh <clears throat> fuck off. <laughs> Shout out to Chris Hemsworth t- for continuing to slip back into an Australian accent like every ten minutes in that movie. <laughs> he tried. He tried. That's the most important. Like he he had and the, shout out to the filmmakers for filming every single James. Grand Prix in that race at Brian's Hatch. <laughs> He had the spirit. Like it, it's kind of funny, like, funny enough that it's kind of come to the point where Nicky Lauda is not wa- known for the three championships he's he won. He's known for the one that he lost. It's a bit like Steve Davis in snooker. No one talks about the seven world titles he did win. Everyone talks about the one he lost to Dennis Taylor. Yeah, six, but still, <laughs> yeah. Oh, six. I, yeah, sorry. I'm being that guy. Yeah, sorry about that. But uh, Hendry on seven, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'll actually give you. I'll give you a funny parallel between. I, I did mention this on my post I put up this morning about Valentino Rossi, but like Rossi's kind of like the Stephen Hendry in that sense, where like Hendry won seven, Rossi won nine, but neither of them have won a world title after they turned thirty. There's a fun fact there. Wow. There's a fun fact there for you. Stephen Hendry never won a major title beyond the age of his 30th birthday. There's a fun one for you. Um, there you go. Join me. Yeah, King, King, go on. <laughs> okay. Uh, number eight is the 1971 Italian Grand Prix. I think it's famously known for its finish where I think... Oh, yeah. Oh, Peter. Yeah. yeah. The, the top four finished within, uh, I think, three quarters of a second. There were three wide across the yeah. line, weren't yeah, there? Yeah, and it was actually amazing. It was actually the fastest Grand Prix up until the 2003 Italian Grand Prix. Wasn't that 2003 race like done in like an hour and a quarter? They were just going so fast that race; it was ridiculous. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's fair enough. That that, that actually, one I can understand. Yeah. Uh, the the 71 Grand Prix is still the closest finish in F1 history. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was okay. won by Peter Gettern. Well, yeah, Peter Gethrin. Yeah, Peter Gethrin from BRN. Peter Gethrin, yeah. yeah. Shout out to um, Matt from Mystery Science Theatre F1. He made a cracking episode of MSTF1 regarding that same race. With very, Did he? With, oh my yeah. God, I have to watch that. Yeah, with very, very bad stock footage. But he, yeah, because he, it's, <laughs> it's it's one of the very few like pre, uh, pre-76 races where like the entire thing is actually on foot on film. <laughs> Yep, the whole thing. Wow. Barely. It's just a good day to film a race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's all barely there, but it's there nonetheless. Um, yep, go on, King. Okay, number seven, the 2008 finale, the Brazilian Grand Prix. 
No, 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 no. <laughs> I the, the one that MSTF1 cries. <laughs> no, I will not. He cries every time. I will not stand for this. That race was boring until the final lap. <laughs> <laughs> That was a boring. It was one of those races that was. If you take the championship battle out of the picture, it was a snooze fest. Yeah, it was if, a snooze fest. If, if you take one driver out of the picture, if you just remove Timo Clock from the picture, it would be like that race wouldn't be on this list. Secretly, Lewis Hamilton still sends Timo Glock Christmas cards every year because his car turned into a frigging dodgeman on the final lap of that Grand Prix. <laughs> what Christmas cards with twenty pound notes stuffed in them? Yeah. Yeah, just, 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 just like Mum used to make. It's, it's, uh... Can you imagine Lewis Hamilton's the the release of his rap album? Just Timo Glocker would just be in the corners, like Timo. I thought you didn't even like rap. What are you doing here? Yeah, I was the first guy on the invite list. It, it, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it, it's, 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 it's part of his new hit single, uh, Glock Likes Booty. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Man like Glock. <laughs> Man like Glock. Uh, walk like Glock. Or should it be Swerve like Glock? <laughs> that, that could work. Swerve like Glock, bitches. <laughs> Uh, Followed by the B-side, yo, Clarkson, I'm not Irish. Yo. <laughs> All right, number six, King, before Johnson yeah. turns black. Six <laughs> is another interesting race because it's also, it's probably most famous by the guy who ended up not winning that race. The 1970, no, the 1967 Italian Grand Prix, we're back at Monza again, and it's probably known as one of Jim Clark's greatest performances where he led the race up to the 12th lap, got a puncture, lost an entire lap, and spent the next 48 laps going through the field, t- ended up taking the lead on lap 60, pulling away, and then ended up with a faulty fu- fuel pump and he ended up dropping back to third place, finishing in third. No, not Clark. <laughs> uh, Can I just say, I love the fact that apparently before 1971, it Monza was actually a great racetrack. Because, like, there was no downforce. There was, like, no downforce. So, basically, if you're able to take the corner well, you're probably going to win. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so it's not, it's not that they're adding anything. It's not that they're adding many more of that for 2017 or something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. In what? In a move that I find hilarious. In that no one on Twitter, everyone's like, "Oh, the cars are going to look great." I'm like, "Do you not?" I, I'm just waiting for like two laps into the Australian Grand Prix next year, and just for Twitter just to slowly melt down into depression. I'm like, "I called this." Yep. Yep. Also, another thing of note, uh, that race would be the sixth and final career victory for uh, John Surtees. He would, he would, oh. all, he, that would be Honda's first ever race win for the, the, the RA 300 car that they had that year. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Mm. And it would be the last time that Honda would have a factory win until Jensen Button winning the 2006 Hungarian Grand Prix. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> That's a gap. That, yes. that, 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 that's quite that's quite the gap. So uh, yeah, top five, King. Top five. Now we get to where it really heats up. Uh, it is the nineteen seventy nine French Grand Prix, where I think that was Renault's first ever F one win. I like that we've got nothing to say on this. <laughs> um, Go be- on, King. I'm sure you got some, I'm sure you got, I'm sure you got some juicy details in there right, about what an epic this race was. Apparently. Uh, I wouldn't say it was that epic. It was 
probably <laughs> known for the battle for for second place, the duel between Rennie Arnu and Jill Villeneuve for second. Oh, that's the yeah, bit that everyone the... knows about this race. Ah, why didn't you say so, King? <laughs> <laughs> that clip that gets passed around on YouTube whenever somebody's really tired of Formula One. Like, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is how they used to race. Yes, they very nearly killed each other. God damn it! Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure within like the next five years, both of them would. Well, Villeneuve would be dead. Hooray. Um, so, yeah, number four. Number four. Oh, it's the 1957 German Grand Prix. Ooh, what happened in the fifth? I, have to, I actually have to go to Wikipedia for this one. God damn it. What? <laughs> and, and, and he called, King has just been stumped. And King called me professional. Yeah, it was. It was I, I know it was a Fangio win. <laughs> Fangio. I, was it? Man, Fangio's got some fans on the Motorsport Mag team. Well, actually, this is the first one. I think this is the only one on the list that Fangio won. Like, oh, true. The, yeah, the number ten Fangio came in fourth. Yeah, he did, he, yeah, true. I'm just gonna shut up now. What a surprise! A race in the mid fifties that Fangio won. Holy crap! I would never have been able to guess that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, this was the title. Well, the title clincher for Fangio. It was his fourth out of seven wins that year. I mean, yeah, his fourth win out of the seven races in that championship season. I'm sure. I'm sure it was awesome and very significant. Number three. <laughs> yes, number three. Uh, probably, I would say Sterling Moss's greatest victory: the 1961 Monaco Grand Prix in his underpowered again car. Sterling Moss in his underpowered Lotus beat. Uh, well, he basically gave the defensive drivers of his life and blocked off Americans Richie Ginter and Phil Hill and Ferraris along with, again, in a Ferrari Wolfgang Von Tripps. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that. Do you think he moved in the braking zone at all? Um, I don't know. Probably. I don't know, because moving in the braking zone would be like moving a foot to the left because Monaco is that narrow. <laughs> uh, yeah, true. <laughs> I'm not going to, you, you shall not pass in the style of Gandalf out of Lord of the Rings. But um, yeah, <laughs> and the second greatest race of all time, King, according to Motorsport Magazine is? Oh God, the race that I, like when I saw number two, I really hoped it would have been number one. That's like how good I think this race was. But apparently it their number one wasn't anonymous. So surprise me! It's Monza 2016. No, it's isn't not it? Monza 2016. It's the 19. Oh, wow. You surprise me! <laughs> it, is, it is the 1935 German Grand Prix. Oh, for God's oh, yeah, that sake! <laughs> where Tanzio Nuvolari in his superly like I think it was down like 150 horsepower, like beat out the nine silver arrows that were in the race. <laughs> Nine. So, but effectively, like McLaren or like um, like McLaren Honda winning a race this year. Yeah. Or um, Renault. Mercedes entered five cars and Audi entered four cars, and they were expected to win. They were expect. I think the between Nuvolari, the next non-German car to finish was uh, a private Maserati in tenth place. <laughs> So, in other words, it was like Graham Rahal trying to hold off a fleet of Penske's behind him. Yes. At, te- at Texas. And this, this race gave, you know, life to the famous quote from Ferdinand Porsche, where he said, Tanzano, Tanzano, Nuvolari was the greatest racing driver there ever was, ever is, or ever will be. Ah, I sp- laid that one. Therefore, st- giving Bret Hart his catchphrase yes. a full, like, 
60 years before yeah, Bret so that's Hart where, used that's it. That's where Bret Hart got that catchphrase for him. <laughs> wow. <Yeah>. Nice. <laughs> okay, and Motorsport Magazine's greatest race of all time is... Uh, the 1986 season finale, the 1986 Australian Grand Prix from Adelaide, where uh, uh, Alan Prost... Oh, the Clipsal 500. Where Alan Prost beat out uh, the two... Uh, <laughs> the two Williams Hondas piloted by... Uh, uh, Nigel Mansell. Mansell? Yeah, Mansell yeah. and uh, PK. And I think he also beat... Uh, in the Lotus Renault, uh, Ayrton Senna for for a championship. Ayrton Senna to Brazil. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, yeah, I've heard stories about how good Adelaide was, so that actually does make some sense. I think, I think Cook may have done that in '86. I want to say, yeah, Maybe he, not. He, I think so. Yeah, I, I like the fact that the supercars now basically run almost the same layout, just with the top bit chopped off, and they they put on some good races down there. So it doesn't surprise me that yeah. F1 had fun. It around was there. Pro- like the '86 Grand Prix. It was kind of the big title finale after, well, after the Japanese one in '76, where three where three drivers went into that race with a chance to win the championship. And it seemed like it was going to be Mansell's title, but <laughs> that isn't is the race where his tire blew, was it? Yeah, it was that race. It was that race? Oh, that's the, that's <laughs> the famous that one. Race. His tire just goes walkabout. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe that's why Nigel Mansell's now so starkingly obvious on Twitter when he actually tweets some stuff. He has bad memories of '86. Like, oh. what, yeah, <laughs> and I was like the, the, the one thing I'm surprised about that they picked. A Prost victory for number one overall. <laughs> yeah, suck wow. it, Senna. <laughs> yeah, Senna does not. I also Senna like the fact does that not have gone... a single race in the top ten. Yeah. Wow. Maybe Schumacher does it. Schumacher doesn't have one. Schumacher doesn't yeah, have yeah. one in the and top I, I, ten. I, we talked about this before the race. the The youngest race on that field was the winner at eighty six. There was nothing after that, was there? E- yeah, in the top five, there's nothing after 86. Seven was 2008. But yeah, of course, that's, yeah. that's the only one past 1990. That's like the only one past 1990. Bunch of historical wow. hipsters, all of you. Also, the fact that <laughs> the fact that a Prost win is number one on the list only gives me three words to say. Suck it, cook. <laughs> well, you look stupid now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, that works for me. But uh, also, while while we're talking about Cook, you should totally go and watch his 2016 Indy 500 review, mainly because it brought back happy memories of us just roasting him after the race. Yeah, like you, you could tell when he was reviewing those closing laps that he was he knew what was coming. <laughs> he remembers the brilliant moment with 30 laps to go where he trolled Connors, got blocked, and then Rossi wins, and then King, <laughs> we just roast him for the next half an hour. Like, don't you look stupid now? <laughs> Still one of the most legendary moments in Motorsport 101 history, right there. Oh yeah. But, oh yeah. But um, honestly, like my keeping it 101 is going to suck in comparison. So if King, <laughs> if you want to take the other story you were suggested and just pretend like I said it, that would be amazing right now. Okay. Well, that, I mean, this, this we're already we're already up to fact, half an hour. One so. fun fact after mentioned from the from the '86 Australian Grand Prix, ninth place finisher Jonathan Palmer. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> well, <laughs> Jolien's dad. That, yes. that's, that's, Bru- someone, did, someone quickly tweet that to Grace Wilkinson. Yeah, Brundle did finish fourth. Brundle finished fourth. 
Ah, Brian who's now more known for his broadcasting his career than his actual foot racing career at this point. <laughs> oh, Brundle. Yeah, you know what? We'll keep keeping it 101 right there more than anything else. Actually, I, I will just give mine because it's really quick. Go on. Really, really quick. Um, it's more supercar stuff, but I promise it's not a full race review because it's not Bathurst. But this weekend they had their Gold Coast 600, which is a pair of um, yeah. 250-kilometer endurance races on the Gold Coast, the former champ car. Then why did they call it the uh, 600? <laughs> uh, no, actually, sorry, each race is 300 kilometers, oh. so it totals up to 600 plus the weekend. My bad. Yeah, um, and basically, if you haven't seen it, I've made it into GIF form because it was this good. Find Scott McLaughlin's pass on Mark Winterbottom in the second race for third place. Actually, it's not a pass. It's a crash where he doesn't hit anything. It's literally like if anyone watches any of my racing gaming videos, I'm serious. It's Dive Bomb City, bitch, all the way. He has, like, I was grading passes in the US Grand Prix. We'll get to this in a bit for Scotty level. And it was like, well, that one wasn't bad, but he only locked one wheel. And Scotty locked all four, nearly hit the wall on the inside, Nearly plows Frosty. Luckily, he's up so far that he actually slides in front of the Ford. And what compounds it all is this, of course, comes a week after Jamie Winkup slides into McLaughlin and causes that massive pileup at the 1000. And in the press conference after the race, Scotty, with Jamie Winkup sat right next to him, says, I think it's ironic we're talking about out-of-control passes after what happened last week. (laughs) Oh dear. <laughs> but yeah, go and find it online. It's on the Supercars website. I've made gifts of it and tweeted it everywhere because everyone needs to watch it. It's up there with Kevin Erickson's pass in the World Rally Cross. Good God. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's that that's pretty crazy. I'll save mine for another time. I'll talk about Ride 2 next week after I play it a little bit more. But um people have a lot of people have been asking me about it as a game, and I'll talk about it more in next week's show. But let's get into our main event for the evening. Formula One's American Grand Prix. What was I call it? The King segment. Oh, dear. The American Grand Prix this past weekend at the Circuit of the Americas and King, your boy lost. <laughs> Did he though? Did he? See that's, see, that's the funny thing. He didn't really because nothing's changed here. As we mentioned on last week's show, it's out of Hamilton's hands. Like Hamilton won. He won his 50th Grand Prix. Nobody cares. Krillin, etc. Um, so congrats to Hamilton. 50 wins up and all that. He won a very comfortable looking Grand Prix. You know, like, you know what's sad about that Grand Prix King? Everybody was saying, what's going to happen to turn one? I'm so nervous about turn nothing one. Nothing happened. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely frigging nothing happened. Nothing. And it also proved what we were talking about beforehand. I still want to hear that. I don't know if we, we found this. The stat on how many races this season have been won by whoever was leading after turn one. All of them. Yeah, I, I, I could probably look it up for next week's episode. Just just remind Austria, me. Austria, I can tell you, didn't, obviously. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, no. I, I would guess at least 13 <clears throat> out of the 18 we've had so far this season have probably been decided by turn one. Like mm. that, that'll be, and this was no exception. Be a and guess. the problem is, Koto is such has so many high speed or mid speed corners that um, everyone's favorite thing in racing, dirty air, just kind of meant that they'll just 
wasn't. And this was another one of those races where Mercedes were OP as fuck. Like, this wasn't Monza levels where they were faster on medium tyres than everyone else on super softs, but it wasn't far off. I mean, Red Bull were clinging onto their coattails. That's the thing, though. It wasn't. The thing is, the thing that Red Bull were actually closer than I thought they were going to be this time around. The problem. They were semi competitive. The the problem was was that the virtual safety (laughs) car ruined Ricardo's race. Yeah. Oh, Rosberg got so lucky again. He's knocking, <laughs> he's fluking his way into a title. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. That's the line BBC Sport went with. Yeah. And and shout out to guys on Twitter like you, like like Luke. I know I know he's listening to this. Luke, I'm looking at you. I saw you retweet Noble, who's like the sassiest Hamilton fan I know that's still in the F1 space. <laughs> I saw you. He's chief ham caper. Chief ham caper. I say, no, oh, love a slice of luck for Rosberg in a race where even if Rosberg had finished in third. It would have made no difference. It still would have been out of Hamilton's hands. So, you know what? No, no, I'm not taking this one. Suck it up. It happens. The virtual safety car... And, uh, and after Rosberg's 2015, uh, he's due some luck, surely. Yeah. You know what? I, I don't want to get into this ground of measuring luck because we'll be here all night. But Luck is the most subjective thing in the yeah, world. Like, it's, a shit like- <laughs> it's a shit metric. Yeah. yeah, luck is a terrible metric. That's like saying, oh, Mansell should have won in, 70, in 86. <laughs> <laughs> nah, bruv. Riker, like Felipe Massa is the true champ of 2008, man. We all, we, we all know. We, oh my god, we all know Hamilton was lucky. It's, it's sport. <laughs> Stuff like this happens. Yep. Yeah, man. Like Martin Truex Jr. right now oh has god. no sympathy for your luck. Oh we'll, get, we'll get to that one in the mailbag later. But uh, that pretty much was the highlight of the Grand Prix. It was the virtual safety car for Max Verstappen. We'll get to why that was a virtual safety car in a minute. But it it, it brought up an interesting debate, King. A lot of people, i.e., the Hamilton fan base, was bringing up how the virtual safety car seemed to take Daniel Ricciardo out of the picture for the win and ultimately put him down to third behind Rosberg in the end. So there was a debate that kicked up about this. Like, should we have pit stops during the virtual safety car? Because my argument is, I think it makes more races than it breaks. That's my logic when it comes to this. I don't know how you feel about it, but... Uh, I'm okay with pit stops during the VSC. I don't know, I don't know about you. <laughs> Uh, I'm okay with it as well. Like, I don't see any issue about having pit stops during the virtual safety car because it's like you could have pit stops during the regular safety car. So, yeah. So yeah, I difference? think the problem is, I think the difference is with the virtual safety car is the gaps yeah. uh, between the cars are not closed up like they are under a, a real safety sure. car. Like, um, I know in uh, V8 supercars, their rule under safety car is there's one lap and one lap only under safety car that great, that lead lap cars can pit. Yeah, it's the same so thing that's when, here, here in the US. Yes, uh, yes, very true. Because, I mean, in, in supercars, you get an interesting conundrum where each team, each two-car team has one pit bunker, kind of like F1. Yes. So if you do bring both your team cars in, you sometimes have to double stack. That screws over. I mean, Shane Van Gisbergen got double stacked about three times in the Bathurst 1000 this year and still finished second somehow. But I think in F1, I think the virtual safety car, it's too much of a gimme if... Uh, the gaps between the cars are too far apart. Someone made this point that in WEC, it's not much of an issue because, hey, people have to pit for fuel. In F1, they don't have to refuel. So all you'd be doing is bolting on tyres. So it's not like there's going to be an issue of, oh, but if we if a safety car comes out at the wrong time and we can't pit, we're going to run out of fuel whilst yeah. running around behind the safety car. True. So but, there's not that the issue in is, F1. Vir- the virtual safety car was meant to stop that exact thing where you basically, it's meant to preserve the gaps. Mm, it's kind of meant to preserve the status quo, which is frustrating because I think a lot of people are used to safety cars kind of resetting the field yeah. rather than yes. just putting a pause on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, again, I'm okay with it. I think 
I said before, I think it has the potential to make a race more interesting than automatically break it. I think this was a rare case where it just didn't work out in terms of entertainment value regarding the VSC, but... but it basically gave Rosberg a free stop. It gave Rosberg a free pit stop, and... Uh, and rise to the greatest radio quote of the entire <laughs> Grand Prix, which Sky seems to think was Max Verstappen going, I'm not here to finish fourth, yeah, and they decided yeah, to fap over that yeah, for 10 it, minutes, it, it, it when not more, realizing it, it, that every single... Cool. Yeah, it gave Martin Brundle the thirstiest hard-on in the world. Yeah, like, he, uh, he was like, forget Reagan, and somebody make that into a T-shirt. Oh, for God's sake. And it's not like, leave me alone, I know what I'm doing, isn't totally overdone at this point anyway. Yeah. Everything with Kimi like, Raikkonen totally Doesn't overdone. every single race driver in the world at some point say something along the lines of, I'm here to win? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Oh my god! But yeah, it, the the whole virtual safety car thing gave Rose to the real best radio quote of the race. <laughs> Go on. Which was uh, Daniel Ricciardo uh, King? Help me out with the quote. Oh um, god! He basically didn't he say something like he basically said, "So hasn't Rosberg just got a free stop?" And the engineer was like, "Yeah," and he said, "Motherfucker!" Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of the race. His engineer was like, oh, the commentators are trying to work out what motherfucker meant. And he went, uh, it meant a uh, great friend and someone I'm really cool with. <laughs> <laughs> that combined with the getting Gerard Butler to do a shoey on the podium. No. Ricardo's just the top baby face in F1 right no, now. No, no, no. Fuck the shoey. The shoey has to die. I've like, had I, enough. I still remember like when Brundle... Dre's become uh, that guy. Like during the, the pit walk at the beginning, I, th- I think we talked about me watching uh, pre-race off air, but when right. Brundle's doing the grid walk and walks up to Ricardo and Butler, Ricardo's explaining to, to Butler what's going to happen if he ends up on the podium. He, he, called, he, called, his, he called his shot. Yeah, he <laughs> called the shoey. He called the shoey. No, 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 no. Look, I'm sorry. I've had, like, sorry, internet. I don't care if I'm being a hipster here. The shoey has to go. I've had enough. Yeah, yeah to, to be honest, I don't like the shoey either. Like, personally, I think it's, it's a bit... Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. It, look, <laughs> to be fair, I didn't mind it at Bathurst when you had dual shoeys from the winning co-drivers, no! which was uh, Will Davison and John Owen. But they're Australians as well, and Australia's biggest race. No, no, the shoey is disgusting. I've had enough. Look, <laughs> champagne already... You're being disgustingly that guy. I don't care. Listen, champagne already tastes like boiled piss, okay? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Oh, excuse me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going on strike. We're not having this. You've crossed the line. I'll I'll talk for the next hour and a half. Bye. But, like, seriously, I do not care. I'll just turn off Audacity now. (laughs) Get back here. You you can tell me that sweat tastes disgusting. That's that's a given. Look, listen. Champagne is bad enough. Drinking out of a sweaty person's shoe after an hour and a half of motorsport. No, that is absolutely <laughs> disgusting. Like, then again, it's not like he's making you do it. He's doing it himself. So I'm like, cringe. well, all right, more power to him. It's cringe. You know what's worst about it? Danny Ricardo only started doing it after finishing second in a Grand Prix. <laughs> it's not like he won. Whereas, <laughs> well, in the current era, that's basically that's a win. That's basically a win. No, I'm not accepting this. If, like, look, Jack Miller in MotoGP was cool because he, he was 1,000... Oh, really? Because he was 1,000 to 1 to win that race at Assen, and he actually did. And that was a miracle that, that an Aussie not named Mick Doohan had won a MotoGP race. That I can understand. Man finishes in second and copies him. Valentino Rossi did one at Masano. Like that was just like, like, like he's just done it just to do it. Yeah, like, Ro- uh, Rossi, I can't defend that. You're not Australian, bro. No, no. 
You know what you are? You, you're a bandwagoner, Valentino. You're a bandwagoner. You're, dis- you're a disgusting, filthy bandwagon, which we all hate in sport. We all hate a bandwagon. And I'm tired of the Daniel Ricciardo bandwagon because he drinks champagne out of a disgusting, sweaty shoe. I have had enough. Look, look, look. <laughs> Trey, Shut up, Trey, Johnson. I'm not Trey. finished. 2015 was Vettel's babyface year. 2016 is back to Ricardo. No, I know no, it's no, triggering we, you. We all know who's the baby face this year, and he drives that Red Bull, and he's not Daniel Ricardo. <laughs> oh no, he's the Roman Reigns baby <laughs> face. He, he can't be the Roman Reigns baby face when you're when you're pop when you're voted as the baby face. The fans actually I mean, I mean, like true, him. Yeah, he's, he's the reverse Roman Reigns. Well, some of them. The fans actually want. He's it. like John Cena. Actually, he gets fifty percent cheers, fifty percent booze. No, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on from the show, let's talk about Max Verstappen's race. He actually had a pretty... I was going to say, welcome to Motorsport 101, a show where we've barely talked about motorsport in the first hour. Yeah, yeah. Fuck the shoey. Right. Um, <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, also, shout out to Gerald Butler for signing Ricardo's sweaty shoe with the, with the words, fuck you on it, after having to sign... <laughs> after having to drink out of his shoe. I thought that was a genius move from Gerald Butler. So plus one to Gerald Butler, everybody, for signing the words F you on his, on his boot after making him drink out of it on the podium. So well done, Gerald Butler. Badass as always. But let's talk about Max Verstappen's race. Fell off a little bit on the start. Dropped a couple of places. Didn't have a particularly good day. In fact, his gearbox failed about halfway through the race, which brought out said virtual safety car we mentioned wait, wait, earlier. Wait, wait, Eddie boxed when he shouldn't have. <laughs> I was getting to that. No, oh, oh you, you brought up the gearbox failure, which was the end of his day. Yeah, I guess. Okay, maybe I did it a little bit backwards on my part. But yes, like, that was... That, that might have been the straight-up funniest <laughs> thing to happen in Formula 1 this entire season. Max Verstappen drives into his pit box... And the team was not ready for him. And it was totally his fault. And it was just the most hilarious thing. Seeing Red Bull run like headless chickens trying to solve and fix his car. In a weird kind of flashback moment to Monaco when Daniel Ricciardo was pretty much screwed out of the win there. Because Red Bull weren't ready for him. It happened again. Only this time it was totally Verstappen's fault. Yeah, he was like... On a scale of one to a shoey, how funny was this? Ooh, very funny. I just love the the radio comment afterwards where he's like, I thought you told me to box. <laughs> Absolute state of this. Oh, I, 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 I was on a train and I burst out laughing. And like, luckily, a couple of us on the train back from York, which my, my train was delayed by two and a half hours. Um, we, a couple of us were F1 fans. So we all just got a kick out of a staff and fuck it up, basically. <laughs> there was cheers in the middle of our carriage. It was hilarious. <laughs> there was cheers. I just love the thought of just one random guy. Verstappen's just peeing when he's not supposed to. Uh, yes. uh, there was there was there was some laughs. There was a couple of smiles in there. People knew what I was talking about. It was funny. Like I was reported on the sports in there on the phone at the same time. Like I was like, I said, guys, breaking news: Lewis Hamilton wins the American Grand Prix, and I was like, yay! A couple of Brits were like, yay! A couple of guys were like, fuck him. <laughs> Lit- <laughs> Literally. Um, so you're starting to riot on the track. But, uh, God, Verstappen drives into the pit box when he wasn't supposed to. Hilarity ensues. He loses a lot of time. He gets past Felipe Massa and then his gearbox fails. Basically, the montage, the highlights montage for his race should be set to the Benny Hill theme. Yeah, pretty much. At this point, it, it would fit perfectly. So, of course, he wins driver of the day. <laughs> oh, for fuck's <laughs> Why? <laughs> Stupidest epoxy stupid thing ever. For, for, for those that are, for those that are keeping score at home, this is this is the seventh time 
in 18 races this oh. year that Max Verstappen We're gonna go there. Hang has on. won driver of the day. Seven times now. Seven times. And I think we worked out before we went on the air, Johnson. I uh, know. We're going to do it now. Yeah. We're going to do it now. Live on the show. Yeah, sure. Let's work out how many times did Mac Verstappen actually deserve to win driver of the day. I've got the list Go of all of the drivers of the day. First two rounds were actually Roman Grosjean, although we all know that Australia was the Rio Harianto screw job. Yeah, we, we called it the Has Catfish, basically. Yeah. Yep. Go on. So Grosjean wins the first two. Danil Kvyat wins it for China. Deserved. He, he, got, uh, he, he, got, he got the people's vote off the pissing off Sebastian Vettel. Next. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Magnussen wins it in Russia. That was fair enough, yeah. And then we get to the first of the Verstappen ones, which, I mean, it was Spain. Fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll give him that one. He did kind of win. I mean, it helps. to be honest with you, the, the irony of a driver of the day award is surely the best driver is the one who won. Surely. Um, but yeah, uh, my boy Sergio Perez got it in Monaco, gets a podium, fair enough. Should have uh, been Ricardo. And it's Verstappen Award number two, and it's Canada. And even the description on the F1 website says he may have only finished fourth. <laughs> Why did he, like, you know what? He only got that because he ran Rosberg off the road. <laughs> So that's the only thing anyone remembers about the race. Oh, so that's I one remem- from two so far. I remember far. the dogfight between Hamilton and Vettel that Vettel blew. Like, you know, it doesn't hurt <laughs> me at all. <laughs> Next. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's one from two. My boy Perez got another one. That's Baku, his other podium. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, third, Max Verstappen, driver of the day, Austria. No. Starts eighth, finished second, mainly because of the Mercedes shenanigans on the final Should lap. Should have been Hamilton. Okay, so he's one from three. British Grand Prix, Max Verstappen. Okay, pass of the year on Nico Rosberg. We'll give him that one. So he's two from four. That's a 50% ratio. Raikkonen gets it for Magyar Nagadic. Hungry. Um, Ix Matty G. Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, Daniel Ricciardo uh, gets it for Germany. Fair um, enough. Hamilton actually won one in Spa. Yeah, Okay. I remember watching that live with you, Dre. Yeah, because yeah, uh, he came from the back and had his entire penalty wiped out by the red flag. Fuck that award. Pretty next, much, yeah. Next. Uh, Rosberg actually won one from Monza. Yeah, we'll give him credit for that one. Vet, your boy Vettel won it in uh, Singapore. Yeah, Woo! we'll give him that one. Uh, and then, oh, how many are we up to now? Is this, would this be Max Verstappen's fifth? Yes. Malaysia? That is completely undeserved. Rosberg should have got it that day. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So that he's two from five now. Japan, Max Verstappen. No! Where did that come from? So two from six, and I don't even even ask. So that's, I'm not even going to ask for the US. So that's seven times this season Max Verstappen's won the title, uh, won the driver of the day. And as, as far as we can work out, he only actually deserved it twice. Yeah, mm. twice and out of seven. what, since Singapore, they've allowed people to vote for it during the race. Which is even so. Basically, stupider. as soon as the green flag drops, just the Max Verstappen army have just astroturfed the shit out of it. Yeah. Well, not not quite because you know, they start taking votes about halfway through, half race distance, and then the vote closes when the race finishes. That's been the rule since Singapore. And at this point, like I don't mind driver of the day. It was a nice idea to get fans involved and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But at this point, like like Luke Smith put a really good column about this today about why Max Verstappen is the new Boaty McBoatface. Um, <laughs> which, Super. Which again is a great post about the the comparisons there about how we Brits cracked the ballot box to get a boat named Boaty McBoatface, which Whoa, you know Brits they, the world because ha 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 we're so hilarious yeah yeah basically uh, well the world basically but I thought that's a British thing you can tell it just is Boaty McBoatface that's such a British thing to do yeah but um yeah as I was saying. Like, Max, 
we all know the Verstappen hive at this point. At this point, I call them Verstappen stands, like the song by Eminem. But um, the Verstappen stand <laughs> is taken over the internet. He retired, didn't even finish the race, and yet there he is, driver of the day. I think it's stupid. And the driver of the day award. This is a little bit. It just reminds me a little bit of um, in the last Rugby World Cup when uh, England were confirmed to be knocked out of the group stage after being thrashed by Australia, and yet the organisers still gave man of the match to an English player. It was Joe Launchbury, and he's just sat there with like the bottle of the champagne trying to do the man of the match interview going, no one in England shirt deserved that. We just lost nearly 40 points at home and got knocked out of our home World Cup in the group stages. What, why have you given any of us any respect? Yeah, it's like, it's like the World Cup final a couple of years ago when Lionel Messi was, was voted player of the tournament, even though Argentina had just lost to Germany. Well, well, that, the- is, that is <laughs> yeah. of the tournament, though. There, you can make an argument for that. Yeah, at least there's other games. Yeah. yeah, but it was still the most awkward thing in the world, having Messi hand him a pointless trophy that he probably didn't even deserve to win because that was blatantly James Rodriguez's World Cup. I don't care <laughs> what anyone tells me. But um, yeah, it was just... It was either that or Manuel Neuer. Neuer... Thomas Muller, you could have made the argument for as well. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it probably wasn't messy because he, he was bad in the knockout stages. Anyway, we're getting distracted. Point is, is that this award is stupid. This award isn't like, this award is now even stupid than I thought it was going to be. Okay. It's, it, okay. I, I, it is a fan vote and therefore it's open to manipulation. Listen, I, I get it. It's a popularity contest and I know that ultimately. That's a bad thing. I've seen enough episodes of The X Factor to realise that this is only going to end badly most of the time when you make it a popularity contest. But at this point, how stupid must F1 social media team had to have felt when they said, OK, break out the Verstappen video, he's driver of the day again. How stupid does the sport look at that point? I can just imagine someone in the media centre just like, quick, put together a highlight reel for Max Verstappen, he's just one driver of the day. What highlight reel? What highlights? (laughs) Yeah. Just, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. Here. So, like, they had to announce that for the seventh time this season, Max Verstappen has won Driver of the Day, which also means he can't be beaten for most Driver of the Days this season. Um, so, it's it, King. This just sounds stupid, doesn't it? Really. I mean, imagine. I said, imagine being part of the media team having to announce that. Like, that must have just been embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's very embarrassing. There are, like, much better things that they could be doing instead of oh, having of a fan-voted driver of the day. Like, uh. Can I just say, by the way, we, we'd like to officially announce that the Motorsport 101 driver of the day is Carlos Sainz. Congratulations to Carlos Sainz. Round of applause for him. Yeah, he win, he wins said award. Sod what the F one community thinks. <laughs> I don't care what. We should start running our own driver of the day. Yes, vote. the one that actually matters. <laughs> Look, I mean, Solomon's the the Solomon's the Sounds Off podcast does a raw Insta poll and gets much better accurate feedback than actual WWE nah, votes. I, I, we should totally I, do that. I trust the judgment of a of an experienced and trusted journalist. Like like in pro wrestling, they have like Dave Meltzer give out match ratings. Sure. Well, you think Dre should start giving out race ratings? Oh, God, no, oh, no, he, he already no. does. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Are, you, are you implying that I'm not respected enough for this? Um, uh, No, not at all. I'd love to see you do that. <laughs> uh, it's just be the next time the Italian Grand Prix rolls around. Lap two, Dre just goes, minus five stars. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff, Hart, Jeff Hardy's come out high again. Minus five. <laughs> <laughs> minus five. <laughs> You know what? Oh God! And to quote Brian Alvarez, no, it's probably only minus four and three quarters. Yeah, because Sting was a professional. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's like, and then people are going to start bashing you when you actually give out good ratings. Yeah, it's like 
Oh, no surprise he gave a five-star rating when Vettel won. <laughs> what do you mean he only gave Canada 2011 four and three-quarter stars? It would have been five if Vettel didn't bottle the ending. <laughs> yeah, the, the ending was poorly booked. The ending was clear. What do you mean AJ tried to get Monaco 2016 up to five stars? <laughs> Best race ever. I don't know what you guys are questioning about this. But uh, I will start doing that. I will now rate... Formula One races on a five-star scale, similar to pro wrestling. How about that? And we will start... The Motorsport Observer Newsletter. Yes. Oh, dear. With your host on... <laughs> what what, what host- idea have I planted? <laughs> oh, God. You heard this, folks. King, you, Everyone heard that. King, you have created a monster. Okay. I should, I should, mention, oh, I should mention something. Autosport Plus has put out an article... For, for, you know, this being Lewis Hamilton's 50th race victory, they put out a list. The Let me top- guess. Is it, the, is it the top 10 Lewis Hamilton wins? Yes, top 10 Lewis Hamilton wins. Oh, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> of co- if I, Go on. If I, if, make if, us laugh. Let's run them down. If, uh, it's on Autosport Plus, though, so we, we can't see it. No, we, no, we, we're all... I, I have it. I have Autosport Plus. Oh, he's our man on the inside. <laughs> Go on, King. Let, let, let's let's fumer the Hamilton fan base. Okay, <laughs> number 10. I thought you were going to say fumigate for a second. <laughs> number 10. The 2007 United States Grand Prix. That was a good one. The yeah, one that was a good one. Okay. <laughs> the one where he goes wheel to wheel with Alonso. Yeah. Number nine, yeah. 2009 Singapore Grand Prix. That's actually a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. They're already doing better than Motorsport Magazine. But <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Number eight, the 2013 Hungarian Grand Prix. Yeah. It's first been for Mercedes. Um... He had a couple of really good overtakes in that race. Like I remember, I remember he went around the outside of Mark Webber into turn three, and that was pretty sick. So Yeah, they mentioned but, that. They quote that directly. <laughs> yeah, they, see, there you go. I'm more predictable than Autosport is. Look at me. Okay, but, number um, seven. The okay. 20, you were born for Number this. seven, the 2012 United States Grand Prix. He only won that race because Noreen Carter Kane held up <laughs> Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> Sod this! <laughs> Friggin', friggin'. I don't even remember that yep. one. <laughs> Quote from the article that it was until lap 20, 42 when Vettel got caught the slow HRT of Noreen Carthacan in the snaking narrow section from turn three to turn seven. Now Hamilton was in range as they headed down the back straight and he simply blew by on the outside with the help of DRS. How is that his eighth <laughs> best career performance? How? That makes no... He, they're basically admitting he won on a technicality. Like, that, that, that's bollocks. Yeah, I don't think a DRS is a technicality. No, Whoops. I think him getting held up by the rain Carter Kane is a technicality. <laughs> yeah. Sod that. Okay, number six, the 2011 German Grand Prix. I can't even remember that yeah. one. No, me neither. 2011 was just like, next. Okay, next one, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't even remember that one. And they even quoted their, their driver ratings from the day. Quote, Vintage Hamilton, 10 out of 10. <laughs> oh, whatever. Next. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number five, the 2014 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Mm. Well, the one where Rosberg was, like, handicapped most of the race with a mechanical yes. issue. Yes, that Grand Prix. <laughs> Nico Rosberg was in full get some fans mode by saying, I'm going to finish the race. And we all just immediately felt awful for Nico Rosberg. That was like the moment Steve Austin like passed out in his own blood at WrestleMania (laughs) in the sharpshooter. The the double turn, the double turn right there. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Hamilton came under pressure from Felipe Massa in the closing stages, but 
ne- but no! never, but never really looked under threat. <laughs> Hang on, time out. 2014, uh, Mercedes came under real pressure from a non-Mercedes car. Well, a Williams. No. Wow, yeah. No, Lewis Hamilton was driving at about 40% for the last 10 laps of that race. No. <laughs> how how, on how the is face, that number six? On the face of it, not his hardest victory, but it was a consummate performance delivered when the stakes are high. It secured his long-awaited second crown in style. Bollocks. Absolute <laughs> bollocks. Next. <laughs> okay, number four, the 2008 German Grand Prix. Okay, that that one I can that one I can accept. That one's fine. Okay, okay. Number three, the 2011 Chinese Grand Prix. Mm, okay, yeah, he was pretty good. He was pretty good. Yes, yes. Okay, number two, the 2014 Bahrain Grand Prix. Oh come on now. <laughs> He only barely won that race, and this is this is the time when we still didn't take Nico Rosberg seriously as a driver. How is him go, going one up on Nico? We still think he's only middle of the road. Rosberg, his second ever greatest performance. Also, also, can I guess what number one is? Is number one the two thousand and eight British Grand Prix? Oh yeah, you got it. <laughs> you oh got yes, it. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Dre Meltzer knows his shit. Clearly. Yep. Quote <laughs> of the race review from the day, it's the performance, it's performances of that caliber that make legends. Listen. 15 out of 10. <laughs> five, five and a half stars. Listen, look, seriously, like that was always going to be number one because I'm pretty sure Lewis Hamilton like lapped everybody up to third that day. Like he was absolutely invincible. That yeah, that, that, that is going to. I mean, to be fair, it could have been worse. It could have been 2008 Brazil. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that isn't even. Well, yeah, he didn't win, so he can't be on the list. Well, I guess. But uh, yeah, then I, I, then I have it. a bunch of honorable mentions of races he should have won. Oh, of <laughs> Enough. I, 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 I'm, I've had it. I'll, I'll I'll just do a quick quick rundown. Malaysia 2016. No. <laughs> um, just no. We're getting back to that luck metric Belgium again. Belgium 2008. Remember that? The bus, sh- <laughs> the bus stop cut debacle. Yeah, yeah the, the one where he cut the chicane and was disqualified, yeah? Well, not disqualified, but was punished for yeah, it post punished. race, yeah? Yeah, Right, right, of course. Mm. And yeah, 20, 2012 Singapore, gloves in the wall. Oh yeah, when his gearbox <laughs> fell from the lead. Yeah, that the, and that wasn't even all that great because Vettel was following him the whole way through. So <laughs> it was very similar to the Coda race where... 2015 Dom, Monaco, and that's it. <laughs> 2015 Monaco. <laughs> Again, a race where Sebastian Vettel was right on his tailpipe for the entire Grand Prix. Uh, okay. Well done, Lewis. Well done. But uh, yeah, shout out to Autosport for that terrible list. Right, <laughs> back to the back back to the rest of the Grand Prix stuff. We talked about Verstappen being being terrible. Good day to be Spanish, fellas. Good day to be Spanish. Fernando Alonso. I think that's his best result of the year in fifth place. Of course, without a yeah. doubt. Yeah, the thing is, I don't give him that much credit for it because I think McLaren is better than the internet likes to think McLaren are at this point. But then again, it's not as good as what McLaren seemed to think because Eric Billier said, this is the McLaren we know and love. Yeah. We're like, Finishing fifth. Uh, <laughs> the, the headline on Autosport front page right now is uh, a quote from Billier that the true McLaren has returned. 
Fifth. <laughs> Fifth is the true McLaren. Somewhere somewhere behind him, Ron Dennis is just face palming so yeah, hard. Yeah. Even though uh the board at McLaren are gonna push Ron Dennis out soon, so yeah, they've had enough of him by, by the looks of it. It looks like, like the Dennis might be stepping down at the end of the year, but more on that probably on a future episode. Oh, but, uh, uh, well, I'll probably cover in the news section. There, There is talk of mm. a potential replacement and who that person is. Okay, we'll get, to, we'll get to that later on in the show. But yeah, great drive from Nando to finish in fifth. His best result of the year. I think that's McLaren's best result of the year as a team in general, actually, as well. So shout out to them. I mean... I, Some good passing for him throughout the race yeah. as well. He came closest to winning the inaugural Scotty Award. But again, as Scotty I say, he only locked up one wheel. We're, we're going to lock up all four. We're going to have the awards at the end of the year for the best dive bomb. The Scotty McLaughlin Award for uh, award of excellence for best dive bomb overtake. Well, doesn't Scotty automatically win it? Because it did happen this year. <laughs> We don't cover supercars. No, that's why. That's why we've introduced the. Tro- yeah, we don't cover supercars, and we've introduced the trophy and named it after yes. him. <laughs> is, is, that not, is that not good enough for you, King? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, but uh, Alonso again, great drive from him. Good hard overtaking. This, this yeah. pass on Massa was a great one, by the way. Great move on to get to get past. Philly, oh yeah, though. really good. Um, vintage Alonso there for the most part, and uh, a great fight with his fellow Spaniard. I know they're they're kind of bros at this point. Carlos signs. What a fantastic drive and what a fantastic weekend from Carlos Sainz. Sixth place finish for Toro Rosso, their best result of the year. Um, and Carlos Sainz's best result for, for, I think, a calendar year. I think the last time he finished this high was this very race last season when Verstappen was to his teammates. But um, qualified in eighth, made Q3, a real bounce-back performance for Toro Rosso, given they've really struggled with the... Um, in the I think with the downturn of um, running last year's Ferraris. But... Uh, God, Carlos Sainz is, is really good, you guys. Like, I, I, am I wrong for thinking this now? Like, Sainz is, like, legitimately really freaking good now? <laughs> I don't know. I, I felt that Sainz was that good for a while now. Oh, so you're saying I'm late this party? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you're late. I'm just saying I was already here. <laughs> He's implying I'm joining the bandwagon. I'm going. <laughs> but uh, I do think, to be fair, science has been kind of the forgotten guy at like the Red Bull Toro Rosso camp because, of course, we had the drama of Verstappen, the hype of Verstappen, the sucking off of Verstappen, <laughs> the fall and fall of Daniil Kvyat, mm. and then Science has just been chilling there, just like I'm just doing my thing. I don't drink champagne out of shoes. I just get on with it and am quietly quite good. And my dad was quite famous as well, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> he's obviously not as famous as an Arrows driver. Um, oh, God. Um, he's like, yeah, no, my, da- my dad was a world champion. Just, you know. <laughs> just j- just not in the four wheels you'd expect. Um, find out more after the break. But, uh, yeah, Carlos signs great drive from him in sixth place. Superb result from him. Um, also, just... Speaking of Torosa for a minute, it was also unveiled on Thursday, news that came through that Daniil Kvyat is staying at Torosa for 2017. Bit of a minor shock, I may say, that this news has come through. Yeah, um, one, one person uh, that was clearly shocked was Pierre Gasly. Yeah. <laughs> Pierre Gasly literally said he couldn't believe he'd been, he'd been snubbed for the seat. I don't blame him, but I thought that seat had his name written all over it for next year. Like, holy crap, like... Gasly is not probably not going to be in F1 next year unless he leaves the academy and somebody else brings him in. Yeah, he but, already uh, said he's looking elsewhere. He's already said he's looking yeah. elsewhere. Gas- Gasly wants up out of here. 
<laughs> yeah, but, like when it comes to the Red Bull drivers camp right now, it's already said that Gasly's not happy. Signs is not happy. Signs doesn't want to be the just in case option for the A team. Yeah, it, it's, it seems to me that's like uh, Pierre Gasly's now renamed himself Pierre Bennett because his name is Bennett and he ain't in it. So <laughs> he's going to be on. He's probably going to be looking elsewhere. Cause I, I like that Pierre Gasly is like kind of self-aware at this point and has realized, yeah, I don't want to be another Jaime Algaswari. Get me out of here. <laughs> Get me out of here now. I think everyone in the Red Bull conveyor belt of talent is getting a little bit nervous, especially now Max Verstappen. Has been, it's almost like... Uh, the top end of Red Bull, just like right, shut it down. We have created the prototype. Yeah, the a- which is Max yeah, Verstappen. The average age of the four drivers in their team right now is twenty three years old. Like you have no chance of getting in right now. So, so mm. Kvyat is going to be staying for another year. I like I like that um, Horner came out today and said, and I quote, uh, "Twenty two. I think it's a bit too early to throw in the towel on him." Even though he got rid of Jaime Agaswari at age twenty-three, got, r- got rid of Jeb at twenty-four. <laughs> yeah, sorry, twenty-two. No, that's too young. Twenty-three. Ah, that's good enough. Get rid of him. But, uh, yeah. So uh, shout out to Horner for his, his level of hypocrisy because Christian Horner doesn't know what he's frigging talking about half the time. Um, <laughs> but Kvyat is staying for next year. King, do you think you deserved one more year? I'm kind of on the fence on this one. Uh. I'd say, yes, he deserves one more year, but it's like, does he really want to be at Toro Rosso after it's what like, happened this year? It's like, I look at it and I think, Kvyat, you, we all know how this ends. You're not going to ever drive for Red Bull again. You're probably going to be done by the end of next year. You, like, surely Kvyat must look through history and realize where this is going, right? Surely. Nah, he, nah, must- he thinks he could be different. He could, he could be different. Seeking, this is where it starts. <laughs> this, this is this is where the problem. This is, this is where the problems start when drivers think I'm going to be the guy that can break the system. No, it never happens. Like Red Bull's got their lineup. Our CM Punk, one man cannot change the system. No, exactly. Even even if you're shit at MMA. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the rest of Kota for a minute before we move on to MotoGP. And uh, first of all, shout out to Kota, a new attendance record for them for the weekend. I think it was something like two. 169,000 for, yep. for the for the weekend incredible turnout for the weekend and i think part of that was the 80,000 repeat that 80,000 that fired up for the Taylor Swift concert on saturday that's that's mind-boggling numbers 80,000 on <laughs> to be fair isn't this exactly what motorsports should be doing yeah, oh, yeah. like yeah. becoming like the special the big attraction when it rolls into town like it's the big thing it's the must-see thing like i was thinking this the other day motorsport at times it doesn't kind of feel like special it doesn't feel like a whoa we have to tune in this week sort of thing you know like so in this case the u.s went all out and this is the thing they do in american circuits you know like the daytona 500 sure. the indy 500 they have concerts i mean the indy 500 this year at super bowl of I'm <laughs> done, like the super bowl is the world leader in having concerts like uh, alongside a sporting event like at the indy 500 this year wasn't it um tiesto and someone else with a i, I don't know <laughs> what the really headliner kids, is because uh they they have what do they call it uh the snake pit where it's essentially like a complete festival where it's like a headline or like a headline for the entire weekend, including Thursday mm. to Sunday. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. The, no, the 2016 lineup <laughs> included Martin Garrix. <laughs> oh yeah, big name, right? Um, but so, so, like the, the, I think the Grand Prix pretty much treated it like the whole thing is 
Come for Tay-Tay, stay for the Grand Prix. But, um, you know, I would have a bunch of Taylor Swift jokes in here, but I'm, I'm not a big music guy and I'm not really a Taylor Swift fan. I'm sure RJ, if he was here, would have us covered for this. Oh, oh um, do, what, well, what you don't want to cause bad blood, do you? Oh, God. Well, I, I, do, I do have to mention something. I think I mentioned it before. Dre, just shake it off, man. Uh, oh. Dave, David Prov trying to tap into his inner Mauro Ronaldo and drop Paul. Like, he said, well, last night was... Contemporary references yeah, last everywhere. last night was about Taylor Swift's bad blood. Well, to, well, today might be about bad starts. <laughs> Shoot that man. Please. He is the embarrassing uncle at the wedding, isn't yes. he? If I, if I was at Kota, I'd, I'd just break through the window and just blow a tranquilizer dart into the back of David Croft's neck and just put him out for a couple of hours and have a proper comment. Elizabeth coming. Worth, Sarah Connors, you heard the man. Next year, do yeah. it. Blow dart, tranquilizer. Like You managed to get Sebastian Vettel to sign a blue flag this year. Next year, that's your yeah, mission. Yeah, we have to mention this. This was hilarious. A big shout out to friend of the show, Elizabeth Worth, one of the finest F1 tweeters out there. Even though she hates Sebastian Vettel, I still found this really funny that she kept, she went signed up lined up for four hours for the Ferrari autograph session. Even though Kimi Räikkönen no showed it, Sebastian Vettel signed the blue flag. Vettel is the Vettel is the greatest driver in the field. Sod what anybody else says. That man's got a <laughs> that man's got a sense of humour. And again, shout out to Lizzie for doing that. Even though she doesn't even like Seb because she still holds that grid boys joke against him for apparently objectifying women, which I will not get into how stupid that is. But <laughs> oh god, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna alienate the entire. Speaking members. of bad blood, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bye bye, yeah. half our fan base. Even if, <laughs> even even if they were half, let's hope they were half. <laughs> this is like the thing that King has to do on the Motorsport 101 Twitter PR, all the time. PR. You do realize this is Dre tweeting off this account, and it does not reflect the views of the other Motorsport 101 hosts. <laughs> <laughs> Tweets are mostly by Dre. Uh, mo- mostly, yeah. like, uh, like King never uses the Twitter. It's me and Johnson, and I'm I'm like eighty percent of the time it's me and, 20, and like me twenty percent of the time it's Johnson. But yeah, I, I still one one of these maybe episode one hundred. I'll talk about why that's dumb. But um, uh, also while we're, while we're here, mm. uh, can we have a brief mention? Um, I know we're near the end of the F one section. Can we have a brief mention? You, you just reminded me here because you ended up getting roasted a bit on this topic on Twitter. Sure. But I did want to chat about it a little bit. Um, Jensen Button going all oh we need to be down with the millennials with Ugh. his suggestion that maybe F one races should be shortened, which came through. Well, Dre tried to be the. Uh, you know what, maybe everyone's the on-demand culture and everything. 99% of everyone else, no, yeah. no, no, no. And let and we just queued up yeah. to... So, so Dre, uh, you first. <sighs> you guys teed off on me in my Twitter mentions about this. Like, like <laughs> We didn't mean I, to, to I, be I fair. was a golf just... ball. You guys were Dustin Johnson with, a, with, with like a, a nine and a half inch driver and hit me 400 yards down the fairway. I, 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 I get it. <laughs> I, I, I get why you guys just yeah just like it's it's like it was like when you're playing worms right and you hit the baseball bat and you knock somebody yes. off the stage and you get the baseball jingle when he hits the water that yes. that's what I felt like basically and all I was saying was that given that like honestly I think half of this criticism is hypocritical when like people have been begging for a Saturday sprint race off the fucking time anyway so. Which I've not understood yeah, anyway. I, I don't like. I don't necessarily agree or disagree with that notion about having a sprint race. Like I'm, I'm, 
I'm open to suggestions. I keep I keep an open mind <laughs> on these things. I get what Button was trying to, to say, and I get what he was trying to think. I get it. And you know, like I said it before, my point was on Twitter was that Button is only saying this because he knows messing with the cars is off the table right now. So he's got. So he's mm. got to. If anything, they're getting exactly, worse. So he's got to think outside of the box here to try and find ways to make the show more entertaining. And don't get me wrong, I. I've actively said on Twitter, I fucking hate the use of the term millennial because the, 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 the word millennial has been so watered down and used for everything. It's kind of lost all meaning at this it's point. It's now become this like derogatory stick to beat young people with. Yeah, and f- for us young people, it's not a matter of attention span. It's more a matter of having more ent- having a more entertaining product. Short- the, way I, the way I put it like was like this, like... Nowadays, you know, it's all well and good saying, oh, millennials, they're on their phones all the time. They're tweeting, blah, they can't pay attention for more than 15 minutes. That that very quickly falls apart when you realise that people, millennials are happy to go to the cinema to watch two to three hour long movies or sit on Netflix and like... Binge watch series. Binge watch entire series that run for like hours at a time. So what does that tell you? It tells you that if you give someone an engaging story... It doesn't even matter how long necessarily it is. Like, we don't even get, need to get into long-distance motor, motor racing that people have no problem paying attention to. I mean, look at the Bathurst 1000 recently, a six-hour race, but we all know that it's going to be... You watch because there's, it's fairly certain that a story is going to be told and things are going uh, to happen. That's the whole thing of live sport. But, you know, maybe in Formula 1's case, if it can't engage an audience for 90 minutes then the story they're telling is crap no matter how long it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've seen sprint races in t- British touring cars. I've seen duff British touring car races, and they're 25-minute sprint races. Listen, the, so, most, the most captivating, one of the most captivating events in sport is the Olympic 100-meter final, and it's over in less than 10 seconds. Exactly. And for a good while, until Bolt came along, we had a bunch of 100-meter champions that nobody gave a shit about. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. you know, for me... It's not a matter of length. It's more a matter of other things that F1 knows it can't mess it, with right now. It's a matter of quality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, it doesn't matter how long the event is. It matters more about getting people to care about it. And making in the races shorter isn't automatically going to make things more entertaining. If the, if the race at Cota was 25 laps instead of 52, it would have still been a 5 out of 10 race. Or in basically the only way to make F1 entertaining is to shorten the race down to the first corner. <laughs> sure. The F1 Imagine that. 25 second races, one corner, dive bomb city, and then the finish line's the next corner. Oh, yeah, I, I, It'd be like Jim Carter. I'd watch that. <laughs> I'd watch that. There's a sprint race. I'd do that. So like I said, I think the only reason Button's even bringing this up is because he knows the cars is off the table. Then like, they can't we all know where it, it wouldn't be hard to make F1 more entertaining, and that's with then that's with making the cars more entertainment friendly. But that's not going to happen right now because no team has given up their slice of the pie performance wise. So he's got to think outside of the box. Hence why he made this suggestion. I didn't say it was a good one. And I ultimately did say on Twitter that ultimately race is not the problem. But you but guys I mean, all fucking jumped on me. I mean, <laughs> why, why would Jensen Button want to try to get an advantage? He's not racing next year. True, true. It's That's a good true. Point. It's a good point, but maybe maybe he's being unselfish and thinking of the rest of us. What a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he's just sitting there going, you know what, if we made the races shorter, I wouldn't be wasting as much of my time on this shit every weekend. True. True. See, Button is a fan like the rest of us. What a what a nice guy. <laughs> but yeah, Kota was great. 
as a spectacle, not so much in terms of a race. But hey, that's what happens in Formula One sometimes. Kind of like WrestleMania 32. Pretty much, pretty much. Moving on, let's get into MotoGP's Grand Prix of Australia. Australian Grand Prix, or as I like to call it, King. Mark Marquez is actually fuming. Wait, what? <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> it was like win the championship. Uh, let's just go balls out and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, it's one of those things where title's already over. Marquez already kind of promised after winning the title that you know he's he's going to go back to the old Marquez. And I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> the win it or bin it, Marquez. <laughs> No, no. And you know what's the funny thing about it was is that, you know, we'll talk about Cal in a minute here, but like Marquez had a comfortable three second lead up the front. Crutchlow had just gotten into second. He was t- he took a little bit of time out of Marquez and then into the Honda corner down the bottom of the hill. He he outbreaks himself. He goes way offline. He tries to steer it down and make the apex anyway. He loses the front. And for the first time this season, Mark Marquez fails to finish a race. He chose a hell of a time for his first DNF. He was literally the last man standing in all three classes that had finished every single Grand Prix. So now nobody has a 100% finishing record for the year. Suck it, Binder. Right. <laughs> Sorry, King. But uh, yeah. let's 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 get to the let's yeah. get to the main subject, and that is, oh my God, Cal Crutchlow has won twice this season. Twice. <laughs> He didn't have a win. He's got two. <laughs> He's a British boss. He waited a long time and then two come at once. What a guy. Cal Crutchlow, everybody. King. Yeah, if you told me Cal, if you told me Cal was going to win twice at the start of the season, I would have laughed at you and then unfollowed you on Twitter. <laughs> like that time I blocked you five years ago for outsmarting me on F1. <laughs> Exactly. It's like, who is this smart ass? Let me get rid of him. He's a twat. But, uh, <laughs> I'm joking, King. You know I love you. But uh, yeah, Cal, he's won twice this year now. He's the first British man to ever um, win in Australia, amazingly. Um, just that kind of blew my mind. I think, he's only the, I think he's only the sixth Brit ever to win two premier class races in a season. Um, so that puts him in some really special company like, alongside Barry Sheen, Mike Halewood, etc. Um, but Cal, what a win. Um, you know, apparently he was riding ridiculously scared because he had flashbacks, I think, of the race um, two years ago where he was in second place and he crashed it on the penultimate lap. So he was apparently riding scared the entire way through once he was in the lead. He was petrified. King, did you see the clip of Keith Ewan's commentary at the end of the race? No, I did not. Why, why, would I, why would I ever need to look up commentary from Keith Hewitt? <laughs> you make a good, <laughs> you make a good point. 
But my God, he, he went into full trousers around the ankles, grunting Keith Hewen at the, at the at the celebration of Crutchlow winning. It was, to be fair, it was a really cool moment. Like, Calcon weeded with the best of them. Um, I'll give him that. But the thing is, it, it, was, it wasn't that exciting a Grand Prix, really. It was an okay Grand Prix. Again, MotoGP's kind of died down a little bit this year, probably rightly so because this season's been absolutely ridiculous <laughs> in the first place in terms of unpredictability. It's kind of died down towards the end, but hey, Kyle Crutchlow's won two races this year, so sod it. Who knows what's going to happen at this point? And I, honestly, I think it's kind of funny, King, that like a lot of British media are now saying, guys, maybe Crutchlow's an alien all along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Like, we only just accepted Maverick into this pantheon, and now we're already talking about throwing Cal in there, too. The term has lost all meaning now. It's it's, it's over. Like, I'm, I'm retiring the term alien as of right now if we think Cal Crutchlow is suddenly in that in that pantheon where we're saying he's as good as Maverick or as good as Marquez, Lorenzo, Rossi, etc. Um, no. No, 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 no. Fuck no. <laughs> I'm not going there with Cal Crutchlow. Um, but yeah, congrats to him. Great win. Great result. Also, King, shout out to the nemesis. Valentino Rossi finishing second from 15th on the grid. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, pretty <laughs> crazy. Pretty crazy. Uh, almost as crazy as Yamaha saying that, oh, Rossi might actually stay after 2018. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, like I was going to talk about this in the new segment, but we'll talk about it now. Like Yamaha is saying straight up like we like we'll keep rossi if he wants to stay like um beyond 2018 when his contract expires i mean he, he's already going to be riding at age 40 when that contract expires how oh, long can God. he go for king <laughs> like i think a quote from marcus said that like uh he said 90 per- that he's 90 percent certain that that would be his last contract if if like, yeah, uh, 2017, 2018 would be his last contract on two wheels. Yeah, but this is Valentino Rossi we're talking about here. Yeah. If, 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 he, thinks he, if he thinks he can go out there and try and win it, he'll win I, it. I think, it's, I think it's down to whether he gets the 10th or not. If, if, it's a, if he doesn't have a 10th title by then, he'll still go. He'll keep going. He'll keep going. Because even at worst, he's still like a dependable title contender. So why not stick around and see what happens, I suppose, right? But um, yeah, Valentino Rossi could be staying on beyond the age of 40. That's terrifying, given that... like It's not like World Superbikes, where if you're good enough, you can go over there and like win a title as your career comes to an end, like Max Biaggi did, <laughs> or like um, Carlos Checker did. But um, no, Rossi wants to go until he's at least 40. That's still kind of mental in its own right, and uh, he could be going even deeper than that, which is just kind of ridiculous, really. Um, but, you know, shout out to him. I mean, it was the first time, I think, in a good 10 years where both Yamahas are qualified outside of the top 10. So both Yamahas had to, had to climb their way back up because... Did you see the Weather King? It was all over yeah. the place at Finnebar. Like, qualifying was mental. Like, on and off rain all throughout Friday and Saturday. They had to extend the sessions in on Saturday because of the lack of runtime in free practice two. Well, for obvious reasons, simply put, they couldn't run. It was too wet to continue. So they had to extend all the sessions. It was changeable conditions all the way through. Tactics came into play, and Jorge Lorenzo was terrible. So, yeah, there was the rain coming down. So... Yeah, it was all sorts of crazy. Marquez was on pole by eight attempts, didn't actually win the race in the end, even though he could very easily could have. But uh, shout out to uh, 
to Valentino Rossi for a great comeback to finish in second. I will give credit where the man is due. Also, we've got to talk about this one, King, as well. The 2017 MotoGP grid is complete. We have the final seat. It's gone to Carol Abraham at Aspar. Um, alongside Alvaro Bautista will be Carol Abraham. So MotoGP's favorite pay rider is back. <laughs> He's back for a full year again. He's, yeah, he was replacing Johnny Hernandez over there. It, it seems to be a case of one like self-labeled pay rider for another because Yoni Hernandez was kind of only really there because Dorna really liked him. They wanted a South American on the roster because of their Grand Prix in Argentina. Because, um, you know, like Colombia is just over, just, just over, just over the border. So of course, you know, <laughs> have, have a South American on there just you know, to get some fans and all that. Basically, like they were treating that like it was a home Grand Prix for Yoni at one point, and he's gone. He's going to the um, he's going to defeat the SAG team in Moto Two next year. So that's going to be interesting. Hernandez in Moto Two, he's gone down a class. Maybe he'll go full Tony Elias <laughs> and win the world title down there like he did in 2010. But uh, Abraham is back, so that means we've got the complete 2017 MotoGP grid. I would justify this one a little bit more because I think Abraham is a good rider, but God. <laughs> it's like he has the whiff of the pay dude about him, doesn't he, King? It just, it's, 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 it's like a stench he can't escape. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. To me, it's like I don't really care, but to everyone else, they care. <laughs> They do. It's a problem because his dad owns the Bruno circuit, so he's like kind of like motorsport royalty back home in the Czech Republic, which doesn't help. But then also he kind of got mullered by Josh Brooks in World Superbikes this year, which doesn't exactly help either um, for his reputation. But uh, hey, we'll see what Carroll can do. He's on a better bike than the production at Honda he was on when he was at Cardian, the team that his dad owned. So maybe he'll be a little bit better next year. A couple other things I want to talk about in MotoGP before we move on, King, as well. Oh my God! One of your boys, Thomas Lutzi, wins in Moto. <laughs> what was it? I think it was twelve thousandths of a second over Frankie Morbidelli over the line. Um, yeah, yeah, a, around a, there. A photo finish. Thomas Lutzi, like King. He's twenty-two points off Zarco. Lutzi can win the title. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not that hopeful, but there's a chance. Like friend of the show, Frank Orchamps tweeted this out yesterday where where he she said and i quote since bruno in the summer break luti has taken on average 10 and a half points around out of zarko's advantage he's 22 back with two to go luti is the man in form right now like there's four other guys in the class that are going to be moving up to moto gp next year and they could all finish behind thomas luti <laughs> That would be the most hilarious thing in the world if Luti can win the title and he's the one that's not moving up while everybody else is. That would be just the funniest thing in the world. Like, King, they should cancel all their contracts if Thomas Luti beats him for the title. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> just like, sod it. Like, you lost to the gatekeeper? Fuck it, we're getting somebody else. Call Jonathan Ray. <laughs> <laughs> nah, B, it can't be this. We can't be getting beaten by the gatekeeper, Thomas Luti. We can't have this. But, like we, uh, we pulled the trigger too soon, <laughs> clearly. Yep. Like, we want, we want that Swiss dude. He's clearly good. <laughs> but, like, it's amazing that the guy we've labelled as the perennial gatekeeper in Moto2 in Thomas Luti all of a sudden actually has a half-decent shot at the title with two rounds to go. Uh, and, yeah, Luti on, on 
fire right now and a brilliant win over Frankie Morbidelli in second. Um, Morbidelli just can't get that win. He's been so close on two or three occasions this year and it just hasn't happened. He's a new, he's, he, you know what it is? He's a new tacker. He's the new tacker. <laughs> he's the new tacker. Can't get that win, and Attacker has a win under him this season from Aston, and now and now it's now it's Morbidelli's role now. <laughs> so now we've got to go from there instead. But uh, also, King, shout out to your man, Brad Binder, win, wins again, his sixth win of the year. Yeah, that, was, that was a crazy race in Moto Three. I have to admit, like, oh damn, god, what a what a race that was! My god, um, Binder wins on a restart. There was an enormous red flag on lap six with um, John McPhee falling off at the top of the hill, and then he literally gets run over by Anaya Bastianini um, going down the other side of the hill. It's an enormous accident. There's four or five guys down. Like This was like the third pretty big accident during that race. Like Phillip Island has this nature of producing this, these really big accidents because there's so many riders. And the, track, sh- and the track curves back on itself a lot. Exactly. So, like, you can run three or four wide on a lot of these corners like it's no big deal. Um, so, McPhee, like, a very weird place for him to drop. He dropped it on the crest of the hill going down on Lukey Heights. And he goes down. Like, Enea Bastianini runs him over. I think it caught Navarro out, too. I think there was a couple of other guys that went down and as a result of the accident. McPhee had to go to hospital. It looked... if it, it, it Luckily, it looked worse than what it actually was. I think he only had a fractured thumb and a concussion, which... Given the nature of the accident, yeah. it looked a hell of a lot worse on paper. I, 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 honestly, the, the quickness of how they pulled out the red flag had me very nervous indeed. Like, within 20 seconds, the red flag was pulled. It was like, oh, shit. Like, 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 like that looked really nasty for McPhee. But luckily, yeah, like, he was... The, the way it looked like when he got hit by the bike, he looked like he got hit by the wheel, and that would have been fatal. But it seemed like... Uh, oh god! Whoever struck him had the reaction to pull the front wheel up, and he got hit by the the undercarriage of the bike. Yeah, the, probably yeah, the, the lightest part of the bike, exactly. So I think I think it was Bastianini. I'm not 100 percent sure on that one, but I think it was it was a bike in blue. I think it was either him or Navarro. I think it was I think it was Bastianini, but it was an enormous accident. Luckily, nobody was seriously hurt. Um, McPhee had a, has a fractured thumb and a concussion, so get well soon to him. But uh, luckily, not a serious accident. Um, I'm, I'm hearing he's he's probably not going to take part in Malaysia this weekend, but he'll be back for Valencia the the season finale in three weeks time so good luck to him um on that one it was a nasty accident but binder wins by four seconds over andrea locatelli in second and king how bad were you putting for darren binder <laughs> at the end uh, of that race hard <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> uh, I don't think it's ever happened in grand prix motorcycle racing where two brothers have shared the same podium and binder was i think about half a tenth away from having Brad and his brother Darren on the same podium together, which would have been such a cool sight. But can it slipstreamed him over the line to steal third off him right at the death? And I was like, damn it, Mahindra, why don't you got power? <laughs> yeah, Mahindra being five mile an hour down on the home straight doesn't exactly help. But uh, Aaron Canet gets third. A second chance, he fell in the original race, but was able, because they went back a lap and were able to fix the bike in time, 
they were able to actually um, get kind of back on the grid for the restart, and he finished in third. It was a 16-bike battle for the last podium spot. All sorts of carnage as always. They were going seven wide down the home straight at one point. Vintage Moto3, absolute carnage race. Go find it if you haven't already. Just ignore the front, because Binder is just curb stomping the field at this point. At this point, he's gone Bill Burchek. He's running up the score <laughs> at, 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 at this point now. Like, he's Got to get the championship bonuses. Yeah, like, was there was there a clause in his contract that like like they pay him like ten mil if he gets three hundred points or more or something? <laughs> <laughs> like, was there a bonus in the contract that, that Akiya wasn't telling us about? I don't know, but uh, binned up brilliant job of him as always. He's sixth win of the season. The man is absolutely curb stomping the field right now. Like, it's almost like he's Danny Kent or something. Only about the bottling, but. Um, not the best weekend of MotoGP action, but not a bad one. Like uh, It's a shame because Philip Island, from a main event standpoint, I would have liked it to have maybe rained a little bit more on, on, on the Sunday. It would have been really, really epic. Instead, we just got semi-epic, but I'll take it. Um, but let's move on from MotoGP and let's get into the mailbag and the news. And now it's time for the news. Now, this news section is going to be a little bit shorter than we than we than we thought. Most Well, would you mind if I started with some breaking Go news? On. Uh IndyCar have agreed to continue with the DW12 platform up until 2020. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. So Holy fuck. I, I I thought it was quite big news. <laughs> it was that. Hang on a minute, let me just find it. I believe it was racer.com yeah, once again they're doing the Lord's work. IndyCar news source. Oh yeah, they're just the best. Uh, right, race. Uh, it was. It came up during the F1 section, but obviously I didn't want to, you know, uh, blow that blow that one wide open just yet. Mm. Um, yeah, it appears that the DW12 platform will be continuing uh, up until 2020, which will give them time to adopt a new universal aero kit in 2018. I assume the methodology on that one is to, you know, to make sure that the transition over to the new aero kit is as smooth as possible. It's actually been extended another four years. Uh, According to IndyCar president of competition, Jay Fry, the DW12 will bridge the series move from custom aero kits uh, through the new for 2018 universal aero kit. Uh, And the quote here, he says, if you look at it in years, in 2017, the kits will be frozen. And then there'll be another program in 2018, 19 and 20 with the universal kit. So in 2021, you could do something drastically different with the chassis. So it will almost, it'll be eight years old by the time it's finally retired. Yeah. Uh, Or or actually, once it's retired at the end of 2020, it'll be nine years of service. And rightfully so, it's actually a really good platform as an open wheel racer. Generally, it's worked really well in terms of safety, in terms of, uh, race quality. Yeah, like if, if the universal body kit becomes a thing in 2018, which I hope it does, it should provide for yep. some excellent racing. Yep, I, I'm okay with that. In the context of IndyCar as a spec series, um, this Dalarod clearly works. There, there's no doubt about it. It's, it's been it's been the aero kits that have been the difference makers in the last two years I've been watching. So, and they're, they're going to try and notify that to an extent, obviously with 2018 with the universal kit. So, ultimately, I'm okay with all this. So, 
Okay, that's, that's an interesting breaking news story there. Well, well, well played, Johnson. Well played. Yeah. Well, um, reading cheers. a follow-up story that they just posted to that, where uh, the Universal Body Kit is going to look similar to what Champ Car used to run in terms of Body Kit, where they won't have Ooh. the overhead... Yeah, oh. they won't have the overhead air intakes anymore. They'll be in the side pods, and the side pods will be larger. Uh, Are you okay, Johnson? Johnson. <laughs> you're, Sorry. You're Johnson, brief. Johnson, brief. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> I'm good. I'm calm. Sorry, I, I sound like um, Paul Hadsley. Yeah, this they're point. also oh. gonna uh, increase the amount of ground effect on the car and sh- and shrink and shrink yes. the wings. Yes, it's almost as if they're saying "fuck you, F1." <laughs> Everyone in the world knows you're going in the wrong direction. We're gonna go in the right direction with our Universal Championship. I mean, <laughs> Universal Title. I mean, Universal Aero Kit. I, be, I, I love you, IndyCar. I love you so yeah, much. There'll I want be to a new, you. more powerful underwing that shifts a greater percent of downforce yes. production below the car. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm doing a yes chant. This is a bit like last year when NASCAR were like, we're actually cutting a ton of downforce for 2016. Yes. And uh, yes. the rear wheel guards are, are expected to be super speedways only. I've seen some of the testing... Um, uh, some of the, I think Carlos, uh, no, it wasn't Carlos Munoz. I can't remember who it was who posted a testing clip. I'm sure it was um, Munoz, actually. Of, it might be Munoz. I think it was. Or, uh, it was either Munoz uh, or a I lotion. think it was Munoz and I think Hunter Ray did something as well. Yeah, they tweeted and they showed quite large looking rear wheels and no wheel guards. And they looked awesome. It almost, it did look like an old yeah. champ car from the back uh, end. And as you can tell, I'm totally down oh with God, that. Who's this quote from? I think it was uh, Fry at o- God, what's his name? Uh, I think he's head of competition. Yeah, Jay, Jay Fry, Fry, where he said they they wanted a low engine cover because they want the they want the car to look more like a traditional indie car. They wanted to make it look they wanted to make it look nineties. Yes, <laughs> I'm so down I with want this to booty call. This series, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Fry, welcome to Motorsport 101. There's drinks over there. There's armchairs in the corner. Make yourself comfortable. And he's already a podcast plug. He's, he's a podcast plug because he's been on the mayor on air as well. Yeah. <laughs> Why have we not got him on this show? <laughs> well, that's something we can work on, right? Yeah, but... Fans, tweet Jay Fry. We need to get him on the <laughs> yes. show. Yes, please. But uh, yeah. I... This is a bit like that episode of Top Gear where they had that thing from the the, the commissioner the police commissioner who was like, oh, speeding is not a crime. And they were like, yes, welcome to our world. Yes. <laughs> it was Lady Man, I think it was, Steve, something like that. But um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I like that. I like that news for IndyCar a lot. Like, don't change a good thing. And like, the series has been fantastic the last couple of years. So I'm okay with that. Bit of F1 news before we, before we dive into the mailbag here. Um Formula One news, and it's not great news. When is it ever in F1 these days? It it <laughs> looks like we may have seen the last of the Malaysian Grand Prix. There's crunch time decisions being made here, apparently this week. So we may have a decision by the time you end up listening to this episode. Who knows? That the Malaysian Grand Prix may not be coming back next year. Like I think, King, am I right in saying Petronas are the ones that, that you know, sponsor and fund the yeah, Grand yeah, Prix and all the that? State- yeah, the state oil company. Patronus, also, you know, Mercedes title sponsor. They heavily back the Grand Prix. And essentially, this year's Grand Prix tanked. Like It was a stinker. As in, like, they when, when they first started, it was essentially constant sellouts there. 
and they could hold about a hundred up. Uh, uh, 120,000 fans there. This year's mm. race only had 40, 45,000 fans show up for the race. Holy shit. That's that's awful. Not like barely a third full. That is so bad. And Malaysia's normally dirt cheap for tickets. Like well, I also I th- I saw a tweet earlier. It appears to be the source of all this has come from the fact that contrastingly the MotoGP weekend has sold yeah. out, wasn't yeah. it? They've sold out a full... It's, it's, it's either sold out or it's got mega attendance like, figures they, lined they've up. They've sold out their full 90,000 ticket allocation. Because when Malaysia first joined the calendar, they were the only race in Asia outside of Japan. And now this year, they were the second race in the region, like, in a row, because they were back-to-back with Singapore, which is only, like, what, 20 miles away. Yeah, like, I was going to mention this, um, and I want to say a shout-out to a friend of the show, Sarah Saradin, who's from Malaysia, and one, again, one of the sweetest people you'll ever follow on Twitter. But she she knows yeah. Malaysia inside and out, and she made a few very good points this morning, saying Malaysia is a bike country, first of all. Like, that part of the world is more into bikes anyway. Because they're cheaper. Um, yeah, much cheaper transport. If anyone's ever seen the Top Gear Vietnam special, you, you get the context of what I'm talking about. It's a bike country. It just is. Um, cheaper mm. to get around. People love their bikes over there. People look People look to people like Lorenzo and Rossi as gods over there, basically. It's a bike part of the world, first of all. And I think Malaysia as a country are more focused on trying to get another one of their drivers into Formula One as opposed to turning out for the Grand Prix. And Patronus themselves have come out and said that they felt like the F1 is not exciting anymore. And it's like, (laughs) oh my God. It's like, they're actually, they're saying straight up, F1 is boring right now. It's like, wow. Like, and these guys have got money on the side of the main title championship. Well, three-time championship winners right now. No, no, in like, not even money. Like, they've invested development into this. Andy Cal, the head of the Mercedes engine program, says partially the reason why they're so successful because the Patronus fuel that they use in the cars sp- has been specifically designed for maximum efficiency in this engine configuration. Like, Patronus so is part of the reason. So in other words, it's partly their own fault. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, Patronus doesn't supply fuel to any other team besides the Mercedes factory team. Makes sense. But um, yeah, that is that is startling. And it's a shame because I actually really like Malaysia. I like it as a country. I love it as a track. I think it's one of the better tracks on the calendar. Um, it's it's one of the better yeah, talker drones, certainly. Definitely. I really enjoy Malaysia as a circuit. It's it's provided some epic Grand Prix over the last, well, I think it was like 17, 18 years it's been on the calendar. I think it debuted in 99, I want to say. 98 or 99. Yes, correct. Um, so it's been around for 17, 18 years now, and it's had some epic Grand Prix in that time. I mean, 2015 was fantastic. 2001, I remember, when, when both Ferraris had to come back from the midfield in the rain. That was an epic race. Um, there's been a, there's been some classics at Malaysia over the years. And I, I I'd, I'd be gutted if Malaysia goes because that's one of the better Grand Prix ones. Like one I genuinely like on the calendar every year. So. Yeah, like to me, even like to me, it would be really hard to find a place that would replace Malaysia as a good race. Like even if F one was like, yeah, we're gonna have a finally have a New York City race, I'd be like, I'm gonna really miss Malaysia though. <laughs> Yeah, I like Malaysia a yeah. lot. I genuinely really like Malaysia. It's one of those ones, it's kind of like Kota in Singapore, like one of the newer tracks, which once everyone got past the cynicism, her Tilk and whatever, people are like, oh, actually, 
This is pretty good. Yeah, it's had many. It's had many a great Grand Prix over the years. Changeable conditions a lot because it's in that part of the world where it monsoons a lot. So it's, you mm. get more unpredictable weather over there, so, which again naturally tends to be more entertainment. So you know, it's a shame. I would like. To, I would like to keep Malaysia on the calendar if possible, but it looks like Malaysia has other plans. They have other aspirations. And it just looks like, you know, that country is seemingly fallen out of love with F1, which is just really sad to talk about because, again, Malaysia used to sell out every year and now one-third attendance for the race, that's abysmal. Yeah, so, and the thing is, Malaysia has the cheapest tickets on the calendar. Yeah, like, I, I Sarah told... Like yeah, because normally hmm, the issue... Yeah, sorry, Go Sarah on. told me herself, weekend tickets are, are like 70 quid for the whole weekend. Like, they're dirt cheap. Like... <laughs> And considering most of the time, like, Silverstone are offering finance packages for their tickets next year. That's how expensive <laughs> they are. Go to the British Grand Prix for just uh, just 12 cheap monthly instalments. That, that says everything about F1 ticket prices. You can, more, you can literally take out a loan to pay for tickets. That's fantastic. State of your ticket prices, mate. That's yeah. incredible. My God. But, uh, yeah, Malaysia, please stay. We like you. Well, you know... Please stick around. I don't want to go back to China. <laughs> it's not you, it's us. It, 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 it's our fault. I don't want to go back to India. Like, no, like, India was terrible as a track. Sod that. India, the country might be lovely, by the way. No, don't get me wrong. Don't let me. Fans. But don't misquote me. The track, though. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's not talk about that. Let's, let's dive into the mailbag instead, shall we? Um, and this is a very fun mailbag this week. I will tell you in advance. Like, if anyone's not. Does it include a question from someone with a American footballer in their username talking about robotically operated cars? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, hey, who said Romo asks when is the Robo race actually starting? It should be in Argentina, but who knows? And am I going to be deluded by it? Yes. Next question. Um, qu- question <laughs> for everybody. From again, from who said Romo? Mm-hmm. How would you rate Truex's luck and your jinxing abilities? Oh. <laughs> Over to King, you, King. We called this, didn't we? You're like, we're just, this is your fault, King. You're going to put this on me. You're going to put this on me. Yes, you're the American. <laughs> yes, I said... Friendly fire. Uh, I said that what Martin Truex was, would probably win the championship if he would make it to Homestead. Next round, happened. he's eliminated from the playoffs. But then, I mean, this is... It just returns... Like, I'm... In terms of the chase, I'm that guy who, no matter how long it's been around for and it's been introduced, I've tried to like it time and again, and I just keep getting hung up on the same problems. This is one of them. Ultimately, the current chase as it stands is a total crapshoot, because like at Talladega, we lost both of the drivers who have won four races each this season, which in NASCAR terms is pretty yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, was eliminated too? Yep. Uh, yep, he was eliminated see, as well. See, I'm and following like, NASCAR the, this the, year. How, how about that, you guys? <laughs> The, I mean, yeah. In other news, I've just seen pigs fly past my window. Fuck um, off. <laughs> but I mean, this is my big issue with it. Like, it's total. It is total luck. And I know, you know, because like, whenever I, I, I mention say... this, people go, "Oh, well, you know, in M- in the NFL or NBA playoffs, you know, teams can go like undefeated through the regular season, then lose in the playoffs." Yeah, that's normally yeah, because they got the beat thing, by the, the better is... team on the day. That's not because the entire team suffered crippling knee injuries when they walked down yeah, to the. The thing the is, pitch. I, w- I wouldn't call this. I wouldn't call this luck because luck happens. It, it happens. This is just chaos. Yeah, exactly. It's chaos theory in action. 
Yeah, and he can be collected and taken out of a race and be out of the championship through nothing that was entirely your own fault. Just like motorsport in general, funnily enough. But, uh, <laughs> so I guess the boot fits. Um, but yeah, shout out to shout out to me and King and for ruining Martin Truex Jr.'s season. We're really sorry. <laughs> and Kozlowski too. Well, sorry he, about that. Well, he wins two of the most prestigious races in the calendar and is like, eliminated second round of the playoffs. <laughs> Sorry, Kozlowski. You still look like Sebastian Vettel when you punched in the face. Um, <laughs> but, uh, bad luck, Brad. Uh, better luck next year. Henry Chapman asks, do you think Ducati will win more than one race next year? Hmm. Uh, um, stranger things have it's happened. It's a bit like <laughs> Stranger things. Well, to me, it kind of feels like the question going into last year's F1 offseason. Oh, how many races can Ferrari win this year? Because everyone assumes they're going to make a step forward. But, but the thing will is, they? it's different, though. It's MotoGP. This is the same MotoGP where Cal Crutchlow has won two races this year. Yeah, like the, <laughs> the form book has been shredded and set on fire this season. So I have no idea at this point. Like, they'll win at the Red Bull ring, which is basically three long drag strips and a couple of first-gear corners. Austria (laughs) was made for Ducati. They will definitely win that race. That's, like, their track now. There's a couple of other places where Ducati tend to be really strong on paper. Maybe Phillip Island. Qatar is another one where they, they... Traditionally, they are really good in the opening round of the year. The last two years, Iannone and Dovi have challenged for the win. So, if... If Lorenzo gets his shit together quickly, maybe they can win two rounds. They'll definitely get one. I'm not sure about two. Like, because that would require Chicati to be competent, and that is a stretch. <laughs> um, so for me, maybe. If I was a bookmaker, I'd tell you three to one that they'll win more than one race. Take a price on that. Um, Josh Sittil asks, do you think Sauber are switching to Honda for 2018, hence why they're using... A year old engine similar to Toro Rosso this year. Uh, I don't know. I I I know. That's I know a long that way in the future to be Honda, honest. Big if. I know that both Honda yeah. and McLaren are expanding their facilities to handle supplying a second team, but we just don't know who, or even if there will be a second team. Like, who would buy a Honda engine right now? Like, seriously. Like, unless it's dirt cheap and a team is struggling, like, there's no real reason to switch right now. I mean, the reason to switch is that it would be dirt cheap compared to, like, most other teams, and it would be up to date because the only other team with a Honda would be McLaren. Wouldn't Sauber be able to just cut a deal with Ferrari or something? Like, Ferrari have been open to this before where they've sent Jules Bianchi down there. Like, oh, if you put Bianchi in the car... You know, we'll we'll give you engines for free for the year. Ferrari are open to that, so maybe if they take on a Ferrari driver in the future, maybe they'll cut Sauber a deal for a uh, discount. It depends. It, it depends on what Ferrari's relationship to Haas will be. We'll have to wait and see, I suppose. Because but, uh, the I whole Sauber Jules deal was before Haas even was even existed. Yeah, I guess so. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Another question from Josh. He, he sent this too because he's greedy like that, but he's a backer, so we'll allow it. Um, shout out to Josh, by the way. Again, he's upped his pledge to five bucks. He's getting this episode early. Good for him. Um, so also, yeah, so hey. also, opinion on policing track limits. Do fans and Croft and Brundle get annoyed over nothing? Do they really matter? We didn't really talk about this during the F1 segment, but like the dirt, like the off track and the track limits police kind of reared their ugly heads again because this was a, a weekend where every, 
Well, actually, they didn't because they were just at home eating <laughs> true, donuts. True, I guess it's getting the opposite sense. But, you know, the people on the Twitters were mentioning a lot that... Um... I mean, Kevin Magnuson's late race pass on, I think it was Kvyat, yes. wasn't it? It got deemed... It, it, it got reversed because he basically went off the track at... What's the corner after the long back straight? Turn that, 12. Yeah, uh, turn 12. Turn 12. Yeah, he basically fell off the track, went round the outside of Kvyat, completely off the track, and then rejoined in front of him. So, and then was surprised when they reversed it after the race. It was like, mate, you, you were not on the track at any part of your no. overtake. You were in a couple, you were in like California, mate. What were you doing? But yeah, but basically like the whole thing with Kota is that they've kind of ignored um, track limits for a while over there. Like I remember in the IMSA race last year, I think it was, where literally cars were just flying off on every corner and making yeah, up their own like, track layout uh, and just like, I remember the Radio Le Mans team were just like throwing their hands up in the air like, well, they well, just given up. the thing up. is, <laughs> I found that weird about the Radio Le Mans commentary because IMSA said that was going to be a thing from the beginning because IMSA said that we couldn't possibly officiate this. So as long as you don't cut any apexes, you could do whatever you want. Now, here, here's my hmm. take on the whole thing. I don't really care about track limits. Real talk. I am a fan. I'm not. I'm not watching the tape that closely. Where I look at Hamilton, maybe run four wheels off the road by an inch, and I'm like, cancel that lap. I'm. I'm. I'm not that guy. Um, I'm like. I, I, to be honest, I think it runs counter to the whole narrative that so many fans want F1 to be, which is flat out pushing the limits. Oh, you know, exactly. Really going for it, like. And then you're going to get up in arms on someone because someone like dive bombed into a corner, ran wide, put all four wheels several millimeters off the track. It reminds me a little bit of, um, I want to say it was 2013 or it might have been 2012. And I think Roman Grosjean pulled an amazing move around the outside of Alonso yep. in Hungary yes, of all places. Yes. But he put all four wheels just off the track doing so for about half a second. And he got like a drive through penalty. He got a really severe penalty out of it. Like it wasn't even a reversal. It was like a... Uh, like a drive-through penalty it for was, it. I believe it, so I believe it was me, a 10-second time penalty. 10-second <laughs> time penalty. There you go. And I was like, come on. Like, surely there's more risk in that than him just going, oh, I'm just going to ignore the track and cut this corner completely. Like, that was there was an element of risk in that. Do you know what I mean? So... I don't know. Like, I don't... like. I I kind of like the Lesos Fair approach of, like, as long as you're not blatantly cutting the corners like an F1 2016 online player with relaxed corner-cutting rules on, then... <laughs> Do whatever yeah. you want, that's, I guess. That's pretty much me. I, I've said it before. If you want drivers to take more liberties and look like they're pushing flat out, except this is going to happen. You can't have you can't yeah, have exactly. this both ways. That that that's the way I look at it, at least. Anyway, um, I love that Shawnee F one on Twitter was actually a Patreon backer for us as well. Posted pictures like and f- and for Adam, these are the reasons you like Jack Daniels, and it was like the number twenty NASCAR, and it's like a complete Jack Daniels livery. John Johnson, is this you? There's a there's, uh, I, I don't know where he's come from with that, but yes, I do remember and like both cars. One of them is the 2008 Clint Boyer number 07 yes. Jack Daniels uh, Chevrolet from NASCAR, and the other one is the uh, Jack Perkins number 7 Jack Daniels Commodore from, I think that's 08. Yeah, there was a Team Jack Daniels racing in V8 supercars for quite a few years. The Kelly brothers, I think, headed that up as well. But uh, for a while in supercars, there was actually... a. Uh, you know, they say in NASCAR, there's Battle of the Beer Cans with all the beer sponsored cars. There was a Battle of the Whiskey Bottles because you had Jack Daniels racing and you had Dick Johnson sponsored by yeah. Jim Beam. So you had the Jim Beam yeah. Falcons. That to Sean, he also asked the question, like, I mean, Driver of the Day Award is kind of irrelevant now, isn't it? But, um, yeah, pretty much talked about it earlier. But I, wanted, I just wanted to give that a mention before we moved on real quick, just to say we weren't ignoring you or anything like that. Um, mm. Top five pound for pound MotoGP riders from Len Morrison. 
Marquez, Marquez, Lorenzo, Rossi, Vinales, Pedrosa. Inda? No, probably... no Crutchlow fam? No. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd still take Pedrosa over Crutchlow. Fair. Because Crutchlow... I think Crutchlow be- wins out in the what has he done lately camp because of Because Pedrosa does, isn't going to bin it five times a year like Crutchlow does. Then again, though, he's talking about pound for pound. I assume this means across all three top divisions, no, kind of no. like how in boxing they, they take across the weight no, categories. I, I think it's just the top five in the top class. Regardless sure? of like... I would say, like, the five I said in that order, I would say. I wouldn't entirely Marquez, disagree to Lorenzo, be Lorenzo, Rossi, Vinales, Pedrosa. That's my five. Anybody want to argue with me on this? Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> It's, it's gone too late. We're at that point in the show where King's like, if it was earlier on in the F1 segment, I would argue with you and make a YouTube segment out of it. But... Someone, someone is going to be a bunch of Andrea Davizioso fans that's going to be want, that's going to be wanting my head as we speak. I know. Um, I know. I know they're out there. That's why I'm just, just let it go. <laughs> shit. Danny Brennan asks, shag, marry, kill. <laughs> Max Verstappen, Edson Senna, David Croft. Oh, God. <laughs> Kill myself. Just end it <laughs> yeah, now. Just like, just, can I just jump out of my bedroom window and land head first, please? <laughs> Rather than um, answering this. Like, uh, I mean, you, you can't kill Max Verstappen yes, because can. the Netherlands will yes, just hunt you, you down. <laughs> okay, okay. The entirety of the okay. Netherlands. If, if I, uh, like... Okay, I'd have to kill David Croft. I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not even going to wow. say I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just like... <laughs> wow. David, sorry, David not sorry. Croft, you've got to go. Sorry, uh, King of the Savagery. I mean, I mean, so like, how can you kill that that has no life? As in Ayrton Senna okay, right now. You know what? I'm in this um, for the long haul. I will shag Ayrton Senna because of his passion. He <laughs> can't do his passion. Yes, he, 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 he loves he loves Gordon. He's passionate. He's very fast. Put, put it in the yeah. intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> did I just say that out loud yes. I did didn't I <laughs> oh, I'm broken I'm dead man down, man down. <laughs> oh god I'm oh, crying this, oh, episode, man. this episode will officially be named Shag Edson Senna <laughs> I, I will marry Max Verstappen because we'll be, we'll be in this for the long haul and Croft has got to go David Croft has gone yeah, on my nerves. I think, I think I'm long. the same line of as Dre, but yeah, 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 yeah. I'm the joke. I'm the friggin' joke material yeah, but, here. Yeah, but, but the way you phrase it, just the way you phrase it, <laughs> <laughs> it almost there's like fan fiction writers out there that would like Dre and Ayrton Senna do Brazil out on a date together. You know. Listen. Oh, I love your I love your passion, Ayrton. Every time I watch MSTF1, you, you motherfuckers. Yeah, listen, I see listen, the listen, listen, in listen. Your You thought I was on a booty call and I was in York, okay? Which I wasn't for the record. So you know what? The fact I'm getting involved in all these romantic stories, sod it. I'm getting some. I don't even care right now, okay? Dre is now becoming a pariah for the fan fiction yes. community. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> Brennan, what have you done? Brennan, you're. Do I have to give yes, my answer? Yes, you do. Oh Christ. Um. Uh, kill. Uh, just I don't know. Um, I, I I think 
I, I, David, you're the only person who I could kill, and an entire nation of people wouldn't come and like rend that me limb true. from limb. So sorry, mate. Uh, we're, we're unanimous on that oh, one. Lord. Uh Do do I want to do? Oh, this is a sentence I never thought I'd say. Do I want to do Max Verstappen? Or <laughs> Those things in the playground, you know, like, oh, if you had to, if you had to shag your mom or your sister, which, which would you choose? Or you, you have to, or you'll die, or you'll die. You have to choose one. Oh, Brennan, I hate you. <laughs> I love you, Brennan. Ugh. I, I just tweeted. Just because you want to marry Connor Daly. I tweeted on the, I tweeted on the official um, account. Best mailbag question ever. Uh, I'd. <laughs> Um, I'd marry Ayrton Senna because the, the wedding ceremony would be chaos and probably have a lot of booze in it. It'd be fun. And uh, Shang Max just happened because I have a feeling he's actually more vanilla than we all think. <laughs> we all assume he'd be pretty wild. He's more vanilla. What does that even mean? <laughs> Look it up. Actually, no, don't. It's a family show. Um, <laughs> but uh, one more question. I mean, One it more was. question. Speaking of Shag Marry Kill, what, the final question is from <laughs> notable and legendary Motorsport 101 backup RJ O'Connell, who sent in the question of oh God. which motorsport announcers would you most want to call your bedroom shenanigans? Uh, so, as you shag it and Senna, who would you want to have make the call? <laughs> We have just hit oh. rock bottom, ladies It doesn't get any lower than I, this, I should just note, I should just note, I did <laughs> reply to RJ on Twitter with who I, who my number one pick would be, but I can't pick because he's not a motorsport compensation. He's not a mo- uh, uh, Who was your number one pick? <laughs> yes, correct answer. He'd throw in pop culture, although he'd throw in too many pop culture references, you'd end up laughing. <laughs> You just end up losing concentration. You'd be like, Morrow, m- mate, I'm, I'm trying to get it well, on. Like, you, you make me laugh too much. just tweeted, warning best mailbag question ever to Danny Brennan. And then RJ just responded literally 10 seconds ago with, I had that title in the bag hours ago. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, who's going first okay, on this one? I, I guess I'll go first. I would have to I have to go with the NBC team. Now I have Croft. to go with the NBC team. Lee Diffie, Steve Matchin, and David Hyde because they normally commentate races from a studio about a thousand miles away. Oh. <laughs> to be fair, Lee... I thought you were going to say the IndyCar team and I was like, no, nah, Paul Tracy would put you white off yeah, the game. I, I, I could not handle like, Paul Tracy. Man, man, the only day he's getting tonight's an Uber. <laughs> oh my God. Like, to be fair, Lee Diffie like, would be a really... Excuse, excuse me a second. I'm just going to go and punch Paul Tracy across the other side of the room. I'll be back in a minute. What do you mean I can't pick Ali Raceman as my commentator? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> No, um, God. What do you oh, mean I can't pick it. Katie Hardy because he's technically not a commentator? Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Now this show's oh, hit rock bottom. King, no. God damn, no. King's just f 5 the show into the floor. Oh, no. We've sunk to a new low. 63 episodes over 100 hours of this podcast have now gone out over the years. And this is a... Can I just this can I just say anyone listening to us who thinks we're not like mature and PG enough in Kiss motorsport and we need to be taken more seriously? Um, we, we, it, that ship <laughs> sailed. <laughs> remember, remember at the start of the episode <laughs> when I said <laughs> when I said, "Oh, race shouldn't be raining racists." <laughs> <laughs> 
It's gone way beyond that now, dude. This is like Motorsport 101 R18. Is there an R18 rating on iTunes? Can I just say, like, Brother Ryan saw this question earlier. Brother Ryan is in my actual Brother Ryan Harrison. (laughs) Saw this question and he he said, like, I'm going to say an answer that might be even worse than King's implication. Brace yourselves here. And I quote, Brother Ryan said, Lee McKenzie in the hope that she joins in. (laughs) 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 <laughs> not my words. Not my words. We had a, we had a good run, guys. We had you know, a good you mentioned- run. <laughs> yeah, we're done. We're done. You know, we're, we're not coming you know, back next week. You know, I, I, uh, I meant. You know, you mentioned earlier about worms with the yes. baseball bat. Mm. That was a fucking holy hand grenade. <laughs> hallelujah! Hallelujah! Bang! <laughs> or a super sheep. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> that, that was the concrete donkey of answers right there. But um. <laughs> Yeah, just oh my god! Like, uh, do I have to actually answer this still? Oh shit! Yes, we're all in this. This is like sore now because it's only fitting. The only right answer here is James Hunt, surely. <laughs> well, am I wrong? Well, well, to be honest with you, I, I've banged that a few times when I was out in Korea, but uh, there was normally two or three other people involved. James Hunt and goddamn Murray Walker. That, oh god! <laughs> and it's go go go, James. What do you think of that? Well, I think his technique's a little bit sloppy, to be honest. He's dropped the condom. Um, no, um, <laughs> unless I'm very much mistaken, and in this case, I, it appears I am. Uh, Johnson, this just means you. Um. Yep. <laughs> No, I've got it. I've got it. Mark Skate. <laughs> wow. Just because, have you ever seen him whenever a car overtakes another in a V8 supercar race? Yeah. Just the moment he goes, yeah, he oh! just loses his mind. <laughs> Either that or Daryl oh Walker. Oh, God. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Damn right. <laughs> we, we've been low. We've been low. Just, just keep going. The other side, the, there's light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, this new episode title will be named "Booty Calling Ayrton Senna. Center." Um, <laughs> yeah, we're keeping we're, that we're one. We're done. We're done. We are through. We are out. You- King, did yeah, you give yeah, me yeah, a recommendation? I said the NBC team because they're, you know, they usually commentate races oh, yeah, a thousand miles away from a studio. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, we are so done. We are through. We are out. I'm not even going to go through the social media again because we will not be on the air next week. So at this point, <laughs> sod it. Who cares? You know where to find us. Editing Adam, I'm so sorry. <laughs> if if in case we're not back next week, we had a good run. We had a good run. <laughs> we had a good run. I'm amazed we made 50 episodes. It's, to be honest, it's amazing we're still here. But. Uh, I tell you what, if we're not back next week, go listen to the Grid Girls. Yes, because at least they're allowed to perv on hot guys that way instead, because society. Um, Whoa. (laughs) And we're not. (laughs) Listen, the bridge is already on fire, King, okay? I might as well pour some gas in it and just finish it off at this point. (laughs) It's been... He's going in the river as well. (laughs) It's been fun, you guys. I've been Andre Harrison. He's been Ryan King. <laughs> Adam Johnson's been in the corner as well. He's partly pouring gasoline on this dumpster fire. We'll, no, I'm pouring Jack we'll Daniels on it. We'll see you sometime next year <laughs> on the Twitters. Until then, thanks for listening. Sayonara. Sayonara. <laughs>
Oh, uh, by the way, King. Yeah. I got a reply from Johnny Herbert. Uh oh. <laughs> I think Johnny took him out. No, no. Well, what? Uh, uh, Dre, were you here before the show when King was telling me about the uh, Johnny Herbert yes. um, saying that the Rosberg penalty was justified? And I said I should tweet him the picture, the gif of scott mclaughlin's dive bomb <laughs> and i tweeted it to him and i was like just a heads up if rosberg's penalty on Raikkonen for out of control was correct what about this one and he he liked it and he tweeted back he just said that's a cool move that's racing <laughs> i'm like <laughs> okay <laughs> herbert endorsed the dive bomb yeah. you know dead guys but he actually likes rosberg <laughs> yeah Guys, Johnson, I propose you keep that in. It's like, like maybe some, maybe like, maybe like a post post credit scene at the end of the episode. We can put that back in. Yeah. Okay. I'm down yeah. with that. You know.